down in Petersburg, everything's fine. All lamb cats is drinking that wine, drinking that mess is their delight. When you get the wrong, start singing all night, drinking wine's for the you to drink wine. Wine's for the you to drink wine. Wine's for the you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Drinking that mess is their delight. When it gets a rump, start fighting all night. Knock down windows and tan down door. Drinking half gowns and calling for more. Drinking wine's for the Yodi drink wine. Wine's for the Yodi drink wine. Wine's for the Yodi drink wine. Welcome to this new tasting anarchy winos. We are once again. Joined by my mother on this lovely, lovely Mother's Day. Yes. Um, as always, I'm Jacob Lindsay and Mason Joseph. Yep. And uh, uh, I'll I'll use the Ron Paul introduction. Very good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And so let's go ahead. We'll go ahead and get started. Before the show began, I had this really interesting one. We actually mentioned it briefly on the show last week, but I saved uh, about a glass worth for Mason. And this this is a it's just a, a varietal that I'd never seen before, and it wasn't in my book called uh carmenere oh, this is the carmenere yes okay yep and uh and so this is a single vineyard carmenere from chile um it's very interesting it's a very very like well tell me what you would describe it as i can't get over the fact that this is the first wine that has a smell yeah that is exactly in the taste okay and it's a smell I know, right? But I cannot place. See, it's I say, almost bloodish, like kind oh, of okay. like in a blood sausage. It does, it but does it's have a bit a of a little short of that. Uh, Yeah, I think it's very peppery, uh, like black pepper. Um, it does have kind maybe. of a metallic flavor. Uh, I wrote down maybe um, maybe when you first opened it. Yeah, I, I wrote down pepper, very tannic. I said very little fl- fruit, but maybe a little bit of blueberry. Um, so that was what my yeah, analysis very, was. Very tannic. Definitely some spice to it, like a pep- yeah. like a black pepper. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's really interesting. I, I can see that as I can see that being as the back flavor on a lot of like blends. Right, right. But so it's it also is, like one of those ones where like I bet a ninety dollar bottle it's probably is really, really tasty. Yeah. This is actually so this is a twenty four dollar bottle at Total Wine. Um, but I think I'm starting to venture out into like. I wouldn't say snobbery exactly, but like I just want to try things that are not very common. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you I'm spend gonna... a little bit more trying stuff that's not common, but it's kind of like that New Zealand wine we had, where right. it was still ten dollars, but it's like, are we drinking like two buck chuck from New Zealand? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, yeah, that's what it took to get it to the right. United States, or is it like, yeah. you know, seven dollar bottle of wine, right. which can be really nice. And that sort of kind of brings me to the varietal that I picked this week. Yeah. Uh, this is my week, and for the first time ever, I picked a white. Yes, um, you did. I almost always pick a red, which is actually the the. Carmenere is a red, very, very deep red, really pleasant oh, yes. to look at. Um, a lot of legs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it's a very dry wine for those of you who missed the episode where we explain what legs are and um, meaning it is low in sugar. So uh, this week I chose a wine and I we're going to butcher it, but I actually wrote out the pronunciation on here. It's Raka Tsi Teheli. Teli. Ricotticelli. <laughs> I like in in wine a lot of the you know especially like when you could look at the Georgian varieties yeah. like there there's no way you're gonna get it pronounced it right right this is like the way the bottle is designed and the like the because the sticker got a little messed up in it right it to me it honestly looks like something that the vineyard just made up right <laughs> like, yeah. we're gonna make up this varietal right 
So what's interesting about this one is uh, it is uh, this one is Horton's Vineyard, which is here in Virginia. It's mm-hmm. up in Orange County, Virginia. Yeah. Um, it this varietal I thought was very interesting when I was reading about it online. So this is a Georgian varietal. It's one of the first ever cultivated varietals. Um, Oh, so it looking like a made-up name, it's because it's Georgian. Yeah, yeah that makes a lot more sense. It, yeah, it's Georgian. <laughs> it, they have evidence from clay pots going back to before 3000 BC with this varietal in it. And almost genetically identical to the current varietal. Um, so very interesting. And I guess the the name apparently literally translates to red stem. Mm-hmm. So it's apparently mm-hmm. apparently it's red stem, but they're white grapes. Yeah, uh-huh. the, the Georgian grapes are always, like, they're very interesting. Right. I mean, yeah. there's like 5,000 of them. Yeah. But. So I'll give a little bit of history for the varietal just because it was very interesting to me. Um, it originated in Georgia, first fermented around 3000 BC. They have some, you know, dating a little bit further All right, back. so I hate to interrupt, but okay. this honestly smells like tuna. Really? Yeah, it, it smells like tuna fish. Oh, interesting. It does <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and I'm normally, like, very nose deaf, yeah. like... That that smells like like canned tuna fish. <laughs> it does, yeah, a little bit, yeah. It, it does. Uh, so there, there's actually a monastery in Georgia in a place called Kakheti, K A K H E T I, that's still producing wine, and they've been producing wine in that location from 1011 AD, and uh, apparently the same way <laughs> for the last thousand years. Uh, it's not broke. Don't change it. <laughs> and one of the reasons this is apparently a very popular varietal in the Black Sea region is it's very it does very very well in very hot summers. Mm-hmm. It also does fine in sub-zero winters, which is that area has those very extreme temperatures. Um, so it's basically like Michigan. Yeah, basically. And now the places, the two places in the United States where they grow it, they do it in Orange County, Virginia, and the Finger Lakes region in New York, and that's. Almost exclusively, it. There's a couple other places that have tried it, mm-hmm. um, and they just don't. They don't produce a lot. It's also not very popular in the United States. Although it was the number one varietal in the Soviet Union, um, and they would produce from just wine all the way to like hardcore liquor made from these grapes, distilled alcohol mm. um, that they would also use for like deglossing and whatever else, just uh, running their engines. Yeah, so it, it uh, so it's very popular in former Soviet Union countries. It's actually still the number one varietal in Ukraine and Bulgaria for white wines. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, very popular in China, as we've mentioned in the past. That China has a uh, large, a very quickly growing wine mm-hmm. industry. Um, so this is a common description. I'll say that it says common description is restrained and refreshing with crisp green apple flavor and hints of uh, quint. Quince, <laughs> yeah, you know. quince and white pear, which I don't know what quince is. Q U I N C E. Quince is a fruit. It's a fruit. It's kind of a tart fruit. Okay. Yeah. I've never had that. Um, and they compare it with a high quality petite cablis. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that correct? Uh, or a pinot grigio from northern Italy. Yeah. So I've had a sip of it. Okay. It definitely has some Italian grigio like lightness to the flavor, but the acidity is there. But there was a the other Georgian varietal that I've had. Mm. and it's Georgian, so it has a very hard-to-pronounce name, and I, I'm not very yeah. good at it, has a very unique taste in there mm-hmm. that this shares. And it was another white, but, like, right. like I had two of this, uh, two pures from this one uh, winery, and, like, it was so weird because, like, they were great, mm-hmm. but they gave me the most intense and unforgiving heartburn. Like, oh, I had to have <laughs> I hope you Alka-Seltzer, Tums, right. and Pepto-Bismol to get it to, like, go down. Right. But, like, the wine was so tasty, it was like, I could really have another glass of this. And then I was like, 
Nope. Got to yeah. sleep tonight. Uh, ho- hopefully, <laughs> but, hopefully this doesn't. Well, I, I don't think it will. Yeah. But like this had that kind of has that flavor to it. It's very it does, soft. It's, yeah, it's soft. It also like there is a like almost skunky aftertaste. What's well, that tuna? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it just just it just like, comes highly recommended skunk and tuna. Just what I want. Mm-hmm. How much was it? So on their website, retail is twenty dollars. Okay, nineteen ninety nine. Total wine sixteen ninety nine. So not bad. Yeah. Um, interesting and, and also an unusual varietal. Uh, as far as I can, I could find a total wine. This is the only of the Rakatsitelli varietal. Rakatsitelli? Rakatis. I know I shouldn't I be know. doing the R and the K, but that's my yeah, American yeah. pronunciation. Yeah, so uh, it's 13% alcohol by volume, so a little bit lower than what we normally do. But According as- to the front of the bottle, it's 12. Oh, is it 12? Okay, oh, so I guess right. their website and the bottle disagree. Well, they might be, a, was the, it, like, this happens a lot on us where, like, yeah. the, the website's about the 15 and this oh, is the you know 16 what? or um, this is about the that's 16. That's interesting because I'll, I'm going to read the description and it said 2015, but I crossed out but six. So it must have been the 2015 and I just didn't make the connection. Mm-hmm. So this is the description from, from their website, which is, again, not the greatest website, yeah. but uh, theirs is more not the greatest website because it looks like it was designed in, like, 2002. I'm telling you. We can make a killing making right. websites for, for, wines. for wineries. <laughs> yeah. wineries. So this is the description they have, is they say, a light parchment in, in glass. And that's actually one thing that we didn't really mention. It is an interesting color. It's almost clear. Yeah. But it. But I would say like that light parchment is. It's it's, it's slightly cream. <laughs> <laughs> slightly cream colored. Uh, so a light parchment in the glass. Horton's 2015. I crossed that, that out and wrote 16, but it's 2015 according to this. And then the wine varietal, R-K-A-T-S-I. T-E-L-I, features orange blossom, pear, honey, and summer peach aromas. Uh, orange blossom, maybe, but it, it is kind of overpowered by that kind of fishy smell. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's fishy. I would almost say that it's yeasty. Well, you know dogwood? Yeah. Like how it smells like bad shrimp? Right. Yeah. 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 That's kind of yeah. that, that smell. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of along those lines where it's uh, like, this is not a this is not a fruit producing smell. No, it, it smells a little weird. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so it says, uh, delightfully bright attack is highlighted by citrus undertones. Uh, on the mid plate, cascading flavors of vanilla, cream, tangerine, key lime, white grapefruit, apricot, and pear. I think that's being incredibly generous. I, I think so too, because it honestly doesn't have that much flavor. No, um, but this this also might be a varietal that you need to really have had several several tries at it yeah. to pick up more of the flavors because there is it's one of those ones i can tell there's some complexity to it yeah yeah and then that yeah that could be um i also don't know that it was supposed to be served chilled i couldn't find any information on that and i chilled it because it's white it may not be the type of white that you do chill well this is the thing is like i don't think you were i don't think you would be bad served for serving it chilled but mm-hmm. kind of tasting some of the flavors i could also see it being one that would be okay warmer especially right. because it's, it's such a non-american varietal like yeah being from georgia specifically like in a very popular georgian varietal like i could see it not being chilled because if you've been producing it for five thousand years you didn't chill sure. it beforehand yeah. right <laughs> like right, unless exactly. you went and buried it in the the river stream right you know, three days ahead of time yeah. and and this does so it says a lovely extended finish lingering with orange zest that i would say is true i I do think it has an aftertaste of orange zest slightly yeah a little bit it's more of a skunky yeah but there's an orange zest mixed in granny smith apples and pineapple notes that i don't know so much pineapple pineapple in the in the note yeah Yeah, the 
the aftertaste. The the this does seem like they want to describe it as being very appley, not nearly as appley as Pinot Grigio, um, and definitely not the not as appley as the Italian right. or that New Zealand one. The yeah, New Zealand New one was, one was, was incredible. Like yeah. yeah. So and then the food it says to serve with. You may or may not agree with this, Mason, because you always do the opposite. It says serve with potato pancakes. That's a heavy food. Yeah. That's a heavy uh, food. Poached pork ramen. I don't know what that is, but I would eat that because it sounds pretty good. Oh, I mean, it's ramen um, noodles and poached pork, which and, is just yeah. boiled pork. <laughs> uh, grilled fish with, with fresh herb salad. Yeah. like, And that's the thing is that herb is probably going to be heavy, heavily with dill. Okay. Because it's Georgian. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. Like, a lot of, uh, I, and I'm not a big fan of dill. Yeah. But this would, like, dill would accent this very well. Um, I so, had a really good... Uh, egg salad sandwich at at green kitchen with my mom for mother's day oh yeah or not egg salad was it egg yeah. salad yeah egg salad sandwich that had that was very very heavy on the dill and i like dill a lot yeah. and i think it's mostly from living with victoria because she she puts a lot of dill and stuff which is yeah. very typical eastern european yeah. <laughs> uh and it was really good it was fresh tastes very fresh we gotta, so we gotta remember this one if we ever get to travel to the ukraine or bulgaria yeah. and try right. to get but um so there's the other show there's a show i've mentioned once or twice where mm-hmm. um it's called uh, Russian Roulette, and it's yeah. like this think tanks show about Russia. And like, they're the type of people who are like, oh, the Russian narrative, like collusion, it was totally true. And you're like, right. you guys are completely dumb. Why am I listening to the show? But <laughs> they, they, I think they had one of these on the show at one point because okay. they had a Georgian, the guy, one of the guys who's most responsible for bringing like new Georgian wines into the country. Like he's mm-hmm. got a, it's like the little Georgian wine house, like in DC mm. that they had that guy on. And I think this is one of the brands they had. This is one of the varietals they had. And if you want to hear the name, I'm pretty sure that episode had it. So you kind of be like, oh, like this is how it's actually pronounced because they had a George in there. And it's funny because the one girl on the show, she escaped the Soviet Union as a kid with her family. Oh, okay. Or they they were allowed to immigrate. You know, they didn't actually like run through borders or anything like that. Sort of of like the Michael Malice story where it it was difficult, but they just had to bribe the right people to get out. Yeah, I've never heard it exactly described that way, but I would imagine the same way. But she speaks Russian fluently because she was born Russian. And the other guy... like has his doctorate in Russian studies and like oh, goes to Russia and speaks in Russian when he's in Russia. Hmm. So they both speak Russian, but like the Georgian guy is just like way out pronouncing them on the, you know, oh, cause it's fine. Georgian yeah. and it's not even close. Yeah. 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 And it's like, they're well, like just, trying to pronounce it close and they're just not even when you, when you like, it's so funny to see because I was actually kind of look at trying to look for it written out in mm-hmm. Russian so that Victoria could tell me how to pronounce it, but I could only find it written in Georgian, which apparently is a different alphabet. Oh, yeah, completely. And I had no idea. We well, should have tried to find it in Ukrainian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, I should have. That's a good idea. Especially yeah. if it's like the most popular bridal in Ukraine. Right. And it is. Yeah. It's yeah. In, in both Ukraine and Bulgaria and until it's still a very, very popular one in, in Russia, but oh. it's uh, it's number one in Ukraine, number one in Bulgaria, but it, it's also very high up in, in Moldova, um, Romania, like all those Eastern Bloc countries. You should see if you get your mother, like how much trouble it would be for your mother-in-law to bring some back the next time she comes to visit. Oh yeah, that'd like be a, interesting. Like a, she, yeah. a higher end one. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk to her about it. It's yeah. probably pretty inexpensive because it's like, oh, it's like four thousand grivna. How much is that? It's like twenty bucks. So, yeah. <laughs> or however yeah. many grivna it is. I don't. I don't remember the exchange rate. Victoria knows it, but well, I mean, it fluctuates. Daily yeah, it does. Yeah, people trade it. That's true. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, I'd be willing to go in for like something high, like very more high, high end, end yeah. than that to try to yeah try and, to and get. There's, like, and there are no. I mean, as far as I know, there's no. Um, 
there's no sanctions or anything against Ukraine. It would, if we wanted to, like a Crimean varietal, that might be a problem. But. Yeah, but I, what, the problem is like when you when you directly bring stuff in on mm. foreign flights. Oh right, okay. Like we, you know, when your mom's coming back from somewhere, sure. you're trying like flying military transport is usually already checked. But yeah, like yeah, yeah. with the U.S., it's like when you're flying demet like an international flight in, it's kind of like, ah, what do you got? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that especially because you know she doesn't. I'm bringing a case of Diet Burks root beer back to Bahrain. I'm yeah, <laughs> Diet Burks is great. Yeah, that's what Jay likes. Me. I like. I you like. Can't get it, Bahrain. Yeah, that's his prize from the United States. Yeah. So now that we've had a couple more sips of this, do you have any? Have you changed your mind at all? It's growing on me. Yeah, I kind of. It is on me as well. Like it's a little bit more. You know what it almost reminds me of a little bit is you know how like when you first drink grapefruit juice and you're kind of like, Ugh. and then like after a while you start. Well, I don't know if you do. I like grapefruit juice a lot. Um, a grapefruit juice is one of those ones that I can't get past it. Okay. Like sour beers, which are definitely very grapefruity, you know, a lot of the times mm-hmm. I can get past it. Like warheads, like the, the sour candies, like yeah. I can do a couple of those in a row. Grapefruit juice is one of those ones where it's like, eh, it, yeah. it never gets there for me. You so. remember, Mom, when when Danny Lang and I uh, made friends with the lady who worked at the uh, Shell station? Yes. And that she would always give us the discontinued candy, and she gave us, like, a whole bunch of warheads. I just really like the fact that this wine connoisseur show has turned into a discussion about warheads. Yeah, warheads. <laughs> oh, man, warheads are... Yeah. I, well, I never really liked them. And, uh, well, it's, it, that's not true. Shop, I liked them. Yeah, shop, that she And she used to give us... She, this lady, like, anytime the Shell station would, like, not discontinue it, but, like, it was getting close to expired, so it was out. out. Yeah. So they would, she would give us whatever the candy was to my friend and I, and but I, I remember that we didn't really like the warheads that much, or uh, yeah, ro- the warheads. No, no, it was lemonheads. That's what it was. It yeah. was lemonheads. We didn't really like them that much because it was free candy, though. We ate way too many, and like it, like cut my mouth up real bad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, after a while, like yeah. they can just destroy your mouth. Yeah. What I what I'd love to see is genetic testing and comparing this to Pinot Grigio and see how close because oh, yeah. there's so much. There is a lot of similarity in them. Yeah. yeah, and like what I would really like to start seeing is people trying to crossbreed these heavy Georgian varietals mm-hmm. into things because like if you mix this with Pinot Grigio, like if you right. literally just took two glasses and poured them together, you wouldn't discomp like other than the heavy tuna smell. Right. Like you wouldn't. It wouldn't be a, a uncomplimentary flavors. Sure. So. If you could breed some of the more ver- the hardiness of the grape into this, right, you could grow in further northern climates, yeah, like certain wine varieties that don't like that aren't as impacted. So like Pinot Grigio, yeah. like isn't as far as I know, like it's not necessarily the, the most dainty grape, right. But it also can't be grown in, in like, like sub zero temperatures. Yeah. So like this would be one of those ones if you could yeah. crossbreed it and then just get the that strength of the the hardiness to it mm-hmm. to stand in there i think that would like really top off of the capino grigio and i think like one of the things that's really interesting about it is it, there's kind of an unrefinedness to it where yeah it's like like this has been this was bred to a specific style five thousand years ago right and like the they didn't try anything else and yeah. it's like there's nothing else like like they've just been like i can i just imagine like the most expensive bottle of this is amazing because it's like everything has been refined to a certain point but it's also kind of like where the people walk in with the french wines and they're compared to california in like the 60s they're like yeah you guys haven't been innovated in 500 years right this tastes like crap you're just idiots yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. oh this is so good mm. right well and, like, I see, and, I, and i wonder about that too is like if we could get that one that's uh from Kakati, if uh, if we could get that one that's been made the same way for since 11, 
what, what 1,100 yeah. or 1,011 yeah. AD. Like, I wonder what that's like. Because, you know, the Georgia and Armenia, well, Armenia is southern, southern, south of Georgia. That was the first, Armenia was the first country to adopt Christianity officially, mm-hmm. like the Arab King yeah. or whatever. And so, like, they, and they started a lot of the monastic movement where, like, like people, I, you know, as people know, like, I'm really interested in the history of Christianity or whatever. Like, people very quickly got upset with the official Christianity and became the monastic movement started and so and it was just basically like they were like well i just want to go be alone with god so they would go out into the desert and then like a bunch of the guys that, who are out in the wilderness or in the desert or wherever would then get together and be like well let's just like chill let's out together. not starved death <laughs> yeah yeah and so and then they would start doing things like spirits or you know wine or you know growing a lot of food that kind of thing and uh and and I'm so I'm interested to see like I mean this is obviously like this is even several hundred years at, I mean Ar- I think Armenia adopted Christianity in like 300 yeah. AD or something it was like, like 370 that. yeah or something like that and uh, so this is several hundred years later but still the tradition's there and they still do it in clay pots which I, I'm interested in that because there is some breathing going on in mm-hmm. clay pots and and also if you're reusing the same clay pots over and over and over yeah. and over like you get you have this like the same yeast cultivation and everything like that yeah it would be um, a really worthwhile trip. Yeah, it would. It would be very interesting. Now, the other thing that's interesting about Horton Vineyard, they have another of this varietal, which I'm not going to continue to try to pronounce it, but they have another of this varietal, which is a late harvest. This is earlier harvest, and then they have a late harvest, which is apparently does change the flavor a lot. They allow it to uh, ferment slightly on the vine, and then with uh, the... uh, with the you know uh, wild yeast and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, which a lot of wine is fermented with wild yeast, but uh, they don't do any additives or anything for the later bridal. They didn't have that at uh, Total Wine, but you can get it on their website. Uh, how provided far, you're how in. How far away is Orange County? It's it's just north of Richmond. It's pretty close. So I mean, huh. it would be nice if we could go up there. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm moving soon. Um, and actually, as everybody knows, like I've I've had plans or whatever this past week, I accepted a job in Dallas, so I'll be moving. But at the same time, it's like a $90 flight or $75 flight or whatever from Dallas to D.C. Yeah. if you plan in advance. So And know. if it's just north of Richmond, like yes. on the way down. Right, on the way down, stop, grab a couple yeah. bottles or meet you halfway up and just hang out at the vineyard. Yeah. There are so many really nice vineyards in Northern Virginia, and this will be like the... You know the tourist, uh, whatever that's called, like when like the tourist like trying to get people to come Virginia or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, like I'm up, up at Green Hill Vineyard, which I, I follow them on Twitter. You can follow them at Green Hill Vineyard um, on Twitter, and you can also follow us at Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Yes. Um, who and so if you can't find them, you can follow us at Tasting Anarchy, and then go to who I'm following, and then you'll see these vineyards. Uh, but that's a really great vineyard. Do you know how to use Twitter? Yeah. Which I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So started our Twitter, but have no idea how to use it. Right. Well, you know, and, I, and the only thing I ever use Twitter for is to make fun of uh, Bernie Sanders and like John McCain and stuff like that. So, or yeah. like, or complain to uh, Feinstein. Feinstein or one of these people. Actually, or like, uh, what's her name? What's the, what's the lady who is like, we think it's worth it that we killed 500,000 children? Um, uh, what's her name again? Um, Madeline uh, Albright. Yeah, Albright. Yeah, I, 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 t- I Twitter tweet her all. Now, granted, all these people are about a million. I know they don't run their own Twitters, uh, but I just feel like better when I when I rag on them. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're the Trump. Yeah, and that's apparently, true. He does apparently because he only sleeps four hours a night. Yeah, which is leads us into our topic. Ah, yeah. Wow. Segway. <laughs> segue. Did you tell him ahead of time? I did not. No, I did not. But uh, but that that does lead us into the first topic. And the first topic was inspired by a recent episode of Rogan. Okay. Where he had Oh on, yeah, the guy like another show was talking about that I like that you don't listen to was talking oh. about 
Matt Walker, the Dr. Matt yeah. Walker. Okay, yeah. So the he's, neuroscientist. Yeah, he, he's a neuroscientist. He's a sleep expert. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that he mentioned in the show that got me thinking about this topic again, because, you know, my one of my least favorite things that I've always said that's going to be on my list of things to get rid of when I'm dictator is daylight savings. Yes. Absolutely hate daylight savings. It's absolutely ridiculous. I, I know it, and I know it costs money, mm-hmm. but uh, I never considered the health health ramifications but matt walker brings them up in this episode we've talked about the health ramifications well i went over higher level stroke yeah 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 well i I guess maybe hearing it from a doctor had more impact (laughs) i don't know well here's the thing you were the one telling me about these because i didn't think it was that big of a deal oh oh maybe yeah maybe maybe i maybe i knew about them i forgot of course this was eight years ago (laughs) that's possible so I, i i did a little bit of research so mom do you do you like daylight savings uh no no i i but actually, you and I had the same the same belief that it was started by Benjamin Franklin as like a way to save farmers' time or whatever. Uh, I don't remember thinking it was Benjamin Franklin, but I did think it was a farming thing. Okay. Yeah. But I've always thought it was ridiculous because who on earth believes that you're gaining an hour? Right. Well, that's actually based on a Mises article. That's one of the top reasons that they have against it is they're like, you're not – there is no daylight savings. Like there's the same amount of daylight – or less daylight based on mm-hmm. the way that the earth is tilted toward the sun. That yes. is astounding as people who think what they post on Facebook is private. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Delete. How do I delete Facebook? <laughs> right. How so, do I remove this post where I posted this very inappropriate picture of bedroom about. activities? <laughs> Vacate, uh, daylight saving time is in the fall. We call it uh, National Be an Hour Early to Church Day. Yep, that's right. And in the spring, <laughs> we call it... National Sleep Through Sunday School Day. Yeah, yeah, right. I like both of those yeah, better yeah. than the things that I called them. Right. Well, so this is actually the history, in the United States at least, of uh, of daylight savings. So it was started by the Axis powers in World War One, and very quickly adopted by the Allies. But the United States did not adopt it until 1918. Um, but it was so unpopular that Congress overturned it in 1919, despite a veto by Woodrow Wilson. Then they overturned his veto. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who, you know, how everybody knows how we feel about Woodrow Wilson, one of the worst presidents of all time. Uh, uh, but then one of, probably the... I, I would say him or FDR are the worst. But FDR Wilson, comes back into play. <laughs> well, see, Wilson, Wilson believed... Right. Apparently, Roosevelt was much more of a shenanigans guy, which yeah. is like, oh, whatever, whatever we can do to get these things passed. Mm-hmm. That's true. Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson was a true believer, and, yeah, and, and, and the results of a lot of his policies doing. caused the deaths of millions of people. You have to decide which is worse: so somebody who does terrible things that they actually believe in, or somebody who does terrible things because they think they're pulling the wool over your Well, and, and as uh, as Walter Williams says, the 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 road to hell is paved, paved with, with good intentions, but he says no, it's a superhighway. Ah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, so a few localities in 1919 kept it, um, including the most liberal state of Massachusetts, <laughs> one of the most liberal states. Uh, Rhode Island kept it, New York City kept it, Philadelphia kept it, and Chicago kept it. Um, then in 1942, by uh, U.S. dictator FDR, it was reinstituted by fiat um, as wartime. Um, then the wartime provisions expired in 1945 and were not renewed. But again, lots of localities kept it, and it made things very, very confusing. And so uh, there was a couple of attempts, like one in 1966, to kind of unify time and um, and establish time zones because most localities just went off the railroad time zones. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was no official time zone or daylight savings time until 1974 when Nixon by fiat declared that everybody would be using daylight savings time and uh, approved an act from Congress called the Emergency Daylight Savings and Time Energy Conservation Act. 
Except for Arizona, who said, who said, well, they later on in Hawaii and Hawaii, well, Hawaii. Yeah. They later on rejected it and, and got rid of it. But, uh, so the idea though, in the 1970s, they did, they did studies and they were like, well, if we do this, the United States will save 1% nationally on energy. And that was what they, they, how they, you know, passed it or whatever. However, the facts say something different. Well, this, this, and remember when Bush changed the day that it happened, they did it to save 800 million barrels of oil or something like something, that. Yeah, something, which then turned out to be completely right. Did change that day? Yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't. I don't well, think, I mean, like, I don't it, think it, was, it, it didn't it was take during his, It was during his administration yeah. that it was I was thinking it was approved. much more recently that that happened. Yeah. Well, uh, but I think it didn't take effect until, no, it, like, maybe it took effect immediately. I don't, I don't know. But it, this didn't come up in my research. So in 1970s, uh, research was done and it was, they, they determined that it would save 1% nationally. Mm-hmm. However, more recent research has been done, and it says that it costs 1% nationally, uh, between 1% and 2% nationally to implement it. Um, now, they say that there may be a difference between the 1970s and now because uh, AC is so much more prominent mm-hmm. than it was in the 70s. A lot of places just didn't have AC in the 70s. Yeah. Did you have AC when you were growing up, Mom? Yes. Oh, you did? Okay, so she was rich. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they say it just because... Uh, AC and then the introduction of uh, CFL lighting and LED lighting, it has reduced a lot of the energy consumption. So when you're shifting and some of the, shifting the time, it costs energy use in other areas. So one of the areas um, that it causes uh, a lot of uh, energy consumption is that it, it causes a 17% increase on that first di- Monday in traffic. Mm-hmm. And so that is a lot of people using fuel in traffic. <laughs> there is also... Uh, they're estimating that over a 60-year... Now, this is interesting because this was a study that was done in 2007. Most of my clocks will self-adjust. Mm-hmm. But in 2007, they did a study, and they said that uh, on average, over a 60-year period, Americans will spend 20 hours of their life adjusting their clock uh, to account for daylight savings time, which uh, over so that which causes like a 5% reduction on that day in productivity, which uh, somehow like accounts for a increase in energy uses <laughs> like they, they did this whole like thing about it where it, it's an issue it's in the mises article if you guys want to go to the mises.com and just look up daylight savings they have several articles or dot org energy was expended in that study yeah i don't know <laughs> but it's a good and question then, <laughs> and then they had then mises quoted the new york times that it also costs an average of 434 million dollars annually to adjust the clocks each time yeah so because because you're, you're thinking of like all the digital clocks Right. But like my television yeah. has a daylight savings mode. Right. It's a smart TV. It's plugged into the internet. Mm-hmm. It could just ping the server from Cox, yeah. our service provider, and determine what it is. It's a Samsung television. Right. So like I don't think Korea sell, uh, does daylight sure. savings time. But like super simple for this TV, but I still have to go in and manually and tell manually it, change it that, oh, this has changed. And then when I was in, when my, so like the house I was born into, my right. parents sold since you've known me. Yeah. Like, well, I remember they were renting yeah. it out when we, when we first met. Exactly. Or, yeah. And then, so then we, I've lived in like with my parents, we only lived in two houses. Uh-huh. So the second house, like at some point, like my mom decided, like I had graduated to the point of getting my own self up uh-huh. for school. So she like bought me a radio alarm clock. So I like, I could put on the radio or something like that yeah. instead of beep. So it was, you know, I still have that in my living room, and that thing's like no daylight savings time mode for that. Right. So like, I every time the time changes yeah, or the power adjust. goes out, I have to go adjust it. Yeah, or you think about like I have to adjust my car. Yeah. My car doesn't adjust on its own. Um, which is I don't insane. bother to adjust my car. I just know what time it is, so I either have to subtract <laughs> an hour. Yeah. But then what happens is 
the next time dad drives my car, he adjusts it, but doesn't tell me. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so. Classic dad move. Yeah. Well, we also used to do this, speaking of adjusting the time of the car, we also used to have the car time 10 minutes oh, earlier every, or something every like clock, that. Every yeah. clock, and dad did that too. Yeah. So that we, we so. adjust our... Clocks ten, 10 minutes or 20 minutes ahead. So yeah, so that we would always be earlier on time to things. <laughs> but then you just kind of adjust your thinking. And you're I like, am, oh, we've got time because yeah, we're 10 minutes early. Yeah. I am compulsively yeah. early to everything. I, I, I try to be, and uh, it doesn't always work out <laughs> as I look over at Victoria. But, <laughs> but a, she's been a, getting much better. What a sweet loving look yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so on to Dr. Matt Walker, who then talks about the health ramifications of this. Mm-hmm. So so interestingly, and this corresponds with traffic, 17% increase in traffic fatalities the Monday after, after mm-hmm. uh, which probably is the reason why there's so much more traffic, it, the Monday after the change. 21% increase in cardiovascular-related deaths the day after, uh, the, the Monday after it's changed, if it's changed forward, mm-hmm. or, or if you lose an hour. If you gain an hour, 21% decrease yeah, my, in cardiovascular My understanding fatalities. was that, like, in the places that had daylight savings time, mm-hmm. like, when the time changed, and until the time changed back, you were at greater risk of a cardiovascular mm-hmm. event well, in general. Yeah, so the, the, I'll get into a little bit of this, is that, so this episode of Rogan was super interesting, but, and, and this guy, Dr. Matt Walker, I mean, he's dedicated his entire life to sleep studies. Um, and, uh, he, he's the, uh, I think he says he's the, the sleep diplomat or something like that. Like he's, he's kind of here to like, he, he believes that there's a ton of chronic issues in the United States and Western Europe that could be solved with just people getting eight hours Is of sleep. Is he the one whose book was in the tent of the Arab guy that was captured or something and they went in there and the, oh, maybe. the, the Arab know. prince or something had his, his book in the tent and they said, what do you think of that? That he had your book? And he said, well, I guess everybody has to sleep. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's possible. Yeah. You know what? I should have looked that up before yeah. when you told me this is what you're talking oh, about. Oh, I didn't I know. Re- I just now remember that I'd read something about that or something. Huh. Like well, so this guy, Dr. Matt Walker, he says that just losing one hour of sleep. He, and, and so like Rogan really grilled him on this. He's like, well, what about those people who say they can sleep for five hours a night and be functional? He says, uh, there are a lot. He says, if you if you take the number of people who who can function on five hours of sleep and he says, we can study this. We can, you know, we can scan your brain and see what's going on. So function the same way they would function on eight hours of sleep, like as efficiently. Uh, the number of people who can do that, if you take that as a percentage of the population and round up or down, like if it's, you know, 51%, you round up. If it's 51 down, he says that percentage of the U.S. population is zero. <laughs> so he says anybody who says that they can function correctly on six hours or, or five hours of sleep is wrong. They can function, and there are people who can function. They do not function at, at as high of a, uh, a threshold or whatever, which is interesting. And, and I may suggest this to my new employer because we, uh, he does Fitbit uh, bonuses. Mm-hmm. So instead of it just being walking bonuses, I was thinking that because it's such a huge increase in productivity – for people who sleep a full eight hours is maybe you should start incentivizing people to record on their Fitbit a incentive for sleeping for seven and a half or eight hours. Because he says he says 99.999% of Americans must sleep between seven and a half and nine hours to be fully functional. And uh, and it's and it's cumulative. So he says like you if as you accumulate more, it becomes worse and there's no paying the debt back. So he says like you gotta just start right away. <laughs> and he says like it happens, like you, you do lose it, but you know, you're, you are accumulating low level brain damage when you are not getting enough sleep. 
And um, so he says, anyways, just disrupting your circadian rhythm by the one hour. And he says it goes either way because if you get a little bit more, it's you're just disrupting the circadian rhythm. And, and so many people go like, oh, well, I've got an extra hour to sleep tomorrow. I'll stay up an hour later tonight kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so and I and I've done this like I've had this exact same thought process going like oh tomorrow's daylight savings I'll just stay up an hour later. Uh, but he says that like so clinically incre- like a dramatic increase in the risk of depression, uh, an-, an increase in anxiety, increased chance of of, of getting type two diabetes, uh, like a thirty percent increased chance of getting cancer, um, uh, very high increase in heart attack, high increase in in stroke, high increase in the misdiagnosis of ADHD and ADD. Because uh, he says if you look at the symptoms of sleep, sleep deprivation, they're almost the exact same as ADHD and ADD. Hmm. Um, so, and one of his theories is that the reason that there's an overprescription of ADHD, <clears throat> ADD and ADHD medicine in the United States is because, uh, and he says you can, they've shown this clinically, is that uh, high schools start in high schools and stuff, they, they start at about 745 on a national average, which he says is, is depriving a lot of students of of a full eight hours of sleep is in, in they've, they've tried this in clinical trials in, I think, uh, Michigan where they just moved it to eight forty five start time. And there was a, uh, 200 point increase in their SAT scores on average. Mm-hmm. That's a huge increase on SAT yeah. scores. There was a overall like 23% increase in average grades, uh, a huge decrease in behavioral problems amongst high schoolers. And um, just like just general, and also a seventeen percent de- decrease in traffic fatalities involving high schoolers uh, because they're inexperienced drivers, but they're also yeah. driving on lack of sleep. Yeah, and that and this is so funny because like you know me when I was you've known me for a long mm-hmm. time and like yeah. I was always the guy who like didn't get a lot of sleep. Yeah, but couldn't sleep. Right now, there's a lot to go into. Like, had I had like this guy available to talk to. And be like, what am I doing wrong? Right. And well, like, so he no actually caffeine, gives, he gives like a, a lot of drop off stuff. He gives a lot of really interesting recommendation. Like one of the things that he recommends is wearing gloves and socks to sleep. So he says like, if your hands are warm and your feet are warm, you will fall asleep faster and sleep sound more soundly because, uh, it will, it will encourage your body to push blood to the surface mm-hmm. and cool your body, your core temperature down, which will help you fall asleep faster. So is it, uh, my feet are always too hot when I sleep. Is oh, there really? Any recommendation for that? I don't know. Uh, he said he says that you should be sleeping at about sixty six degrees. That definitely. Keeps me <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I always got to kick my feet up. I, sl- I sleep with like more blankets than uh, anything. See, I just, I, yeah. I, I mean, since my mom's been in town, I've been sleeping in Victoria's bed, and uh, I, I, it's just too hot for me. Like I've yeah. got to sleep like almost in the nude. I, I just have like a sheet covering my midsection or whatever, because I fe- I need the weight of the sheet. But yeah. like, so I have, I have the sheet, a knitted blanket down comforter. And until two weeks ago, a thick blanket that happened to have Mickey Mouse's face on it. Yeah. And then two white throw blankets mm. and the quilt, my aunt that you saw like at my wedding that my aunt gave me, like the, she made, made it my wife and I a quilt, mm. but like we have that on there. So like it's the weight, but like I can't be like, I can almost not be warm enough while sleeping. It's so weird. Yeah. So I, I just, your room temperature like, um, we have the house about 73 at this point, but wow. like, see, we keep our house super, super cold on purpose Yeah, because we like to have blankets on us. Yeah. Well, and that, that's the thing with our, see, I like, I like my room to be about 66 yeah, and just our, a sheet. Yeah. yeah. That's about what yeah. we, well, we have, our room's about 66, yeah. but we have more than a sheet. Well, know? like the part of the problem is I'm pretty sure the people who own the house before us skimped out a size on the air conditioning unit. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So like the... 
it just gets to a point where it's just so annoying that the air conditioning is on yeah for so long right. and plus our house is like the main core of the house is built in like 37 okay so it's not as well insulated well, speaking of which i was windows open yeah. nice out, but... well we also live so close to the highway there's a lot of highway oh, noise yeah. still That's but okay. like um i was under my house part of this right. weekend because I went oh. to war with the ants that had been oh, oh yeah yeah so, so okay let me finish the last three yeah. problems so the, the other one is and I think we've actually covered this decrease in academic performance decrease in work performance mm-hmm. so like one of the things that he points out is he is uh, is uh, not malpractice but like when there's medical medical accidental death mm-hmm. is he says so one of the things that he he points out is he says that like uh doctors are expected to work these very long shifts at emergency rooms and also uh people are doing their residency uh are expected to work these ridiculously long shifts and the idea is cohesion uh like being able to see the same patient for a long period of time yeah now he says that that's that's what they that's the excuse that they give but it's mostly like the good old boys he says it's the good old boys problem is it's that it's the higher up saying well i had to do this so you have to do this yeah and he says this all started with uh, I can't remember the doctor's name, but at Mayo Clinic or or something like that. He's the first one who did a residency program, mm-hmm. and he was notorious for being able to stay awake for like four days and only sleep like four hours and then get back to work. And he expected all of his residents to keep up with him. Yeah, turns out he also is one of the first ones who discovered local anesthetic. What was his local anesthetic? Cocaine. Exactly. He was also heavily addicted to cocaine. So he was Sigmund Freud. Yeah, basically. He was just, he was on cocaine all the time. So he was always like, you guys got to do it. Let's go, 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 go kind of thing. And so he would be getting these guys, all these residents to work his crazy shifts. And like some of them would die, like have heart attacks and die. And it was because they were staying awake for four days at a time because he was on cocaine staying awake (laughs) for four days at a time. so he meth heads were his uh, basically ideal yeah, people. Yeah. So he's the one who started this, and it's and it's carried forward. But he says that when there are some, uh, like New Zealand actually is the one that started doing this, where they have said that you can. These are weird government regulations. I don't agree with this. I think that this is something that hospitals should institute. Is we want a higher quality of health provided, mm. which means you should only be working a seven hour shift, and if you are not getting eight hours of sleep, and that, and nowadays we can record this. We can record this on Fitbits. If you're not getting an eight-hour sleep, then you are not working this day because the the percentage of accidental death caused by by people who are underslept uh, is astronomical. It's like it's like thirty six percent or something like that. It's huge. Like this is a lot of death. Now, time to, kind of to bring this back to tasting anarchy. This is instituted by the government and enforced by the government. Yeah. And so I would say, and this is the same thing with like road fatalities. If you are enforcing and maintaining the roads, you're responsible for what happens on the road. Mm-hmm. If you're enforcing and maintaining these bizarre hours that I don't know a single person who likes daylight savings. Uh, I'm sure there are people. I just, I don't know them. And if you're the one enforcing this and it causes this much damage and this much economic cost, you're responsible for that. And so the government is responsible for every one of these deaths, the overprescription of ADHD and ADD medication, Mm -hmm. uh, all of this, the increased depression, the increased anxiety, the increased cancer, (laughs) like all of these things. And if they would just do one very simple thing, stop doing it and stop enforcing it and allow, if localities want to do it, that's, you know, their decision. But I would also advocate that my future home, Dallas, don't do it because it's stupid. And the entire state of Texas, hopefully, and the entire state of Virginia shouldn't do it because it's dumb. The Commonwealth of Virginia. Yeah, the Commonwealth of Virginia shouldn't do it because it's stupid. Uh, They would save billions of dollars on health costs and billions of dollars in time economic and time costs yeah like, so 
this this leads me to my favorite complaint about our current work that isn't yeah. that isn't like the job related. Right. So one of the things that drives me nuts is the fact that people constantly talk about the most popular shows, mm-hmm. football season and things like that. And that's one of the things is like the economic impact of daylight savings time is immense, but so is the economic impact of the National Football League. Yeah. Because there is so much productivity lost sure. in the weeks, the three or four weeks leading up to football mm-hmm. season and the three to four weeks leading at the end of football season. Not to mention all the productivity you lost in between yeah. because people comment on it because it was the most popular thing. Right. So like now that football is incredibly declining in popularity yeah. and people like to blame it on like the take a knee thing or whatever. Right. And it's, it's really no millennials don't give a crap and yeah. everyone else is just too poor to spend a bunch of time watching it anymore. Right. Where, like, I wonder, like, if we can break people of that habit, like, how do we break them of daylight savings time? Like, Arizona right. was just like, we're not doing it. And then yeah. one of the Native American reservations was like, we're doing it. And then a subgroup was like, we're not. Right. And so it's like, this is, isn't, is. Well, you know, this kind of brings me to, to one more thing is, you know, we're both anarchists, but I don't really have a problem with running for public office. And I've always thought that, like, maybe someday I'll do it. Uh, I, I, what do you think about this? I guess is this mm-hmm. is a what do you think about before we get to my uh, my last article, mm-hmm. um, which is also which will involve mom because and actually it involve you because mm-hmm. we've all lived in California. Yes. So, uh, but I that one oh, okay, that's okay. But uh, so um, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, running for public office. So you know we we listen we both listen to Jason Stapleton mm-hmm. and uh, one speaking of, of California. Speaking of California, exactly. He lives in Southern California. I, I'm really off on Jason Stapleton. I, I you got to listen to the last episode. You know what? It, well, you know what it is is that like I can't get over that he and his wife are divorced. I really like I, just, I don't know just why. Listen but... the, just listen to the last okay. episode. All right, but. Uh, Anyways, so speaking of California, but like uh, if I ever run for public office, and this is kind of a Jason Sableton thing, is to kind of appease the destinationalists and to sort of appease the incrementalists in the libertarian movement is I think that what libertarians should do is they should have the platform, which is the destination. And each time a libertarian runs, they should have a goals list. And the goals list is these are the things I'm going to attempt to do while I'm in office this time. Larry Sharp. Yeah, Larry Sharp does this too. And I and I agree with this. And one of the things I would run on is getting rid of daylight savings. I, I see. The way I thought Because you, it's so unpopular. The way I thought you were going to do this is you were going to run for governor. Yeah. And then abolish daylight savings time and resign. That'd be nice. <laughs> well, I mean, if you, if you did in Texas, like first yeah. you would commute all the death sentences. And That's then, true. Yeah, I would. Because there is a lot, a lot of people. Like, and, and it's not that I'm actually opposed to the death penalty. I'm opposed to the state doing it because I don't trust them. Well, I'm, but, a, uh, I'm opposed to the death penalty completely. I'm not because because the, the I, I believe that the libertarian position on punishment or on justice is not crime and punishment. It's crime and compensation. Mm-hmm. And the compensation is subjective. And so the victim of the crime should be able to subjectively demand a price. And yeah, if the price if, is death. But if I stole your gobstopper and you demand death. Right. Because it was the gobstopper that your grandmother gave you before she sure. passed. Well, there would have to be social norms. And one of the but, social norms in ours, and, and you know, even Rothbard talks about this. Well, and so gobstops does. are everlasting, so you could just That's true. Right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but that first lady, yeah. you'll never get back. That's true. But the... But even Rothbard has has talked about this, and so and and Bob Murphy too is that you know subjective theory of value. But they have also talked about social norms, and one of the norms is uh, is you know, and this actually happens in very primitive societies, or what we would consider primitive societies, is that like they have a valuation. So like 
the death of your daughter is worth six cows or whatever, or like, you know, that kind of thing is that we would have a social norm for what one life is worth. And so like, if you kill this person, then you, then the person who's the victim, which would be the heirs to that person's estate would be able to demand the equivalent of one life. And so depending on where you lived, it could be the life of the person who committed the crime, or it could be some sort of monetary or uh, property compensation. Yeah. I, I can see the subjective value in that. And I can, see the argument yeah i still can't get there well the reason i I, the only reason i wouldn't get there is because uh and i and i I, this is in theory i agree with this i don't agree with the state doing it because the state is wrong all the time yeah and they make so many mistakes actually there's a guy in louisiana right now who's been in jail for the last nine years and hasn't been charged yet and there's the kid who killed himself after being in rikers for five and a half years and was never charged right yeah and like and well this guy in i think he's in louisiana who hasn't been charged for seven or eight years they were going to release him because he finally petitioned and said that this is a violation of my constitutional right to his uh a fair and speedy trial or whatever yeah and then they they were about to release him and then they charged him for not paying a traffic ticket while he was in while prison. he was in prison yeah that was from before he was in prison and they're like well you haven't paid this all this time and it's like i haven't been i haven't been out of prison to make the money to pay it and they're like yep too late sorry now you owe like ten thousand dollars or whatever because of the accumulated interest yeah and fees and like, and somehow it, and that that's the thing is like i don't like if you take someone's life like so putting all religious arguments aside right. like you take somebody's life like the subjective value of them like cultural norms and things like that i've never believed in cultural norms like because that to me is like one of those excuses for bad behavior sure it was cultural norms to burn people at the stake i'm sorry like that's insanity yeah like taking the life of somebody else isn't justified now like in a situation where like somebody's about to stab you in the face and then you end up accidentally killing the person and attempts to save your own life i don't disagree with the fact that that happened would i attempt to mitigate those circumstances like if that right. was happening to me most likely now if they threaten my child yeah i'm killing that person i don't sure i don't care like right. that's but like that's the like the measure of it's like so if i say that like subjective value life for life you know eye for mm-hmm. an eye sort of thing who's doing it right who's holding the person down because then to me that le- leads you to legal obligations if you're the one holding the person right. down and unless the person who's demanding the life is taken is shooting them in the back of the head or yeah. whatever the most humane way of taking this person out there's no like you can't build a mousetrap that makes this work yes you can and here's how it works <laughs> you got to read bob murphy's chaos there okay so this is the way that it would work is and, and and kind of is it it really sucks actually but like it's kind of like the last like uh sort of like the last straw taken or whatever mm. like you know so it's basically you're not so the court doesn't authorize the death of this person but what the court authorizes is that he is a murderer and he has and his protections of rights have been removed which then propagates through all the insurance companies the insurance companies all say this guy can't be on your property and so it goes like do 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 each one says you can't be on your property and when it's the last person he says you say you can't be on my property because of my insurance coverage and if you don't get off you're i have to kill you or my insurance company is going to have to kill you and uh and at that point he has nowhere else to go and he has to die so I I understand the concept because also it. also the prisons won't accept him because their insurance won't cover it. So like lower crimes, the prisons. So th- so this is what's the difference in anarchy between positive. So the government is a positive enforcer of law. In anarchy, it's a negative enforcer of law. So it's we're you're not you're not adding you're not 
positively taking action, you're negatively removing protection. Yeah. So, but that's but that's where, from a business perspective, yeah, if it's Bill Gates, sure, there is an insurance company that's going to insure him, and, and maybe, and he'll, and, and, and it'll, and it'll. Sl- It'll slowly, slowly. Well, the thing is, though, Bill Gates is rich, but you look at MetLife; they're richer than Bill Gates. They they are, but they aren't, and so they don't have as much functional. Ca- they have as they have more assets, mm-hmm. but their assets are bound. Bill but Gates' assets, their assets are bound, but they're also reliant on other people doing business with them. And if there's interlocking agreements of contract, the contracts all have to be enforced in order for people to do business. And, Correct. And so there will be a now. Bill Gates may be able to avoid it, and the idea is that. Well, he own he has the property rights on this, you know, deserted island or whatever. And he goes in exile, kind of like Napoleon had to go to uh, that Corsica. island, that, yeah, in the middle of the Atlantic, where which apparently was awful. Well, no, Corsica is where you, yeah, yeah. I know. So, but it was sort of a similar situation where they didn't want to kill him, but like, and and so in the Bill Gates case, there would be a cascading series of interlocking con- uh, contracts, and he would be exiled to his private island in the middle of, of wherever. But the thing is, is that once you're there, is nobody's doing business with you. You can survive, yeah. and live out your days or whatever. But and, and and you maybe have time to make amends because like it sucks to be out there, so you might want to make amends and come back to the mainland or whatever. But the idea is that it is subjective. And the the libertarian justice or the anarchist justice is is making the victim as whole as possible. So if you killed, you know, my wife or my mom or you know one of my siblings or whatever, I'm not forgiving you anytime soon. Um, but although my religion says that I need, to, I do need to forgive you. It takes time, and it's it's difficult. It's a diff, it's going to be a difficult thing to work out. And in the moment, I may say, yeah, I demand your death. But I and this is the other problem I have with with state justice is that state justice doesn't allow me to forgive. So as like a a dedicated Christian, um, I should be allowed to forgive something if they commit a crime against me. But in our current justice system, it's not a crime against me. It's a crime against the state. Yeah. And the state supposedly represents me, even though I've never voted for somebody who won and I've never given them the authority over my life. Like I have one authority over my life as a Christian and that's God and Christ or what, you know, that sort of thing. And this justice system is a violation of my con- like my constitutional rights, which isn't the constitution protects my rights. That's not where I get my rights, but constitution my, protects your rights from the federal from government, the federal government, so not the state government. It doesn't. That's true. But the the idea is that these are inherent rights. I have a right to these religious this religious belief. My religious belief says that if somebody commits a crime against me, I should be allowed to forgive them. And I should forgive them. And the state does not allow me to do that. Is they take it into their hands to imprison them? Well, the state, or, and that's the that's the and then they and then they punish me twice because then I have to pay for them to be imprisoned. Yeah, and that's the slippery slope version of the argument because the state says, well, you still can forgive them, but you can't forgive them of the punishment, and that's what the ultimate. Yeah. Well, oh, but see, but my re- religion also says that revenge is is God's, not mine. Well, and that, so, but God also says that He forgives, but you still have to face consequences. Well, they're, but they're not my consequences to give. Yes. They're somebody else's. But no, see, but the state, but then also if I elect members of the state to do this, I'm causing them to sin because they're taking revenge into their hands. By enforcing the, the yes. system. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And I agree with that entire concept. But yeah. that's kind of my thing with like part of my problem with the libertarian sure. position because this guy commits a murder mm-hmm. and it's the only time somebody's murdered in this chain of events. Right. But you've been doing these other terrible things sure. to him, you know? So, but then because you've commit, he's committed this murder. Now there's the judgment. Now that causes my insurance company to the go cascade, against this guy, yeah. this cascade and right. falling event where I can't be like, no, I've looked at the situation. I like, while I am an atheist, like I am as close to like, 
the things that like Christ talked about, like make the most sense to me outside right. of the religious, like go to heaven thing, like yeah. the forgiveness being like not taking like revenge against people. Like, yeah, I can definitely see a situation where mm-hmm. I would go and take revenge, but then I'd be like, yeah, every consequence that is of that, like, yeah. yes, I'm going to hide from the state, but I'm not going to hide from the people who I actually did right. the crime against. Sure. But like, that's where you that in the libertarian sense takes my ability to be like, no, I don't agree with this punishment. Mm-hmm. And it takes it out of my hand because now suddenly I can't do business with this guy. And it's like, well, you were you were molesting his children. Sure. And he shot you and you happened to have died. Right. Like his goal was to simply cripple you and then pay the economic right. consequence. He was going to do that. Now I've got to starve him to death. Yeah. Which I'm unwilling to do because sure. I'm. It's like when I was in. Well, but see, this that's the thing is I think, and I think if you read if you read Bob Murphy's <clears throat> Chaos Theory, like it, it kind of explains it a little bit, is that as the policy holder, your heirs. So if you die in the process of this or whatever, your heirs get to not errors, but like your, your heirs, heirs yeah. uh, get to decide the process of this because they are in the they are the inheritors of your justice. Cor- correct. But so that's, because justice but, is a property. But that's right. the problem: is I lose the ability to exercise my property rights yeah. to maintain this person's life because of your execution of justice. No, because because he denied you your right to life. That's why you. He's, no, 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 he's, no. he's also removed. I'm, not, thir- yeah. I'm third party. Oh, I'm third party. It's. My uncle has my uncle has committed a crime against you. Okay. Your mother has decided he's going to starve mm-hmm. to death through this chain right. of systems. I've decided no. Right. I'm not willing from a Christ-like position to allow this person to starve sure. to death. Now I lose my insurance and then I become person non grata. Right. And then I have to be starved to death because no one can do business with me. Oh, right. Because right. so th- it's not in like I would love to hear Bob's response sure. to this because okay. I, I i know that there is a reasoned response that yeah. we don't necessarily know but that right. that re- removes my ability mm-hmm. to act in a christ-like fashion sure which even though i'm not religious that is an important thing to me because like i don't like i drive by the same person begging every day and she's wearing different clothes right which leads me to believe she's not homeless okay i've driven past people where they aren't wearing the same clothes. They are definitely wearing the same clothes right, right, right. every day. Yeah. And they definitely have everything on a bicycle. Yeah. Like, and I've given that person something because I'm like, yeah, you might be a drug addict. I don't think that's a problem. Like, sure. you want to do drugs? That's fine. But yeah. the person who's standing there in a different outfit every day and it's a seasonal appropriate appropriate dress sure. it's like i'm sorry like you can at least change your clothes right you can do something other than beg i don't think it's wrong that you're begging sure i'm just not giving you any money like right. if, yeah. if people think that's appropriate hey that's fine it's like yeah. patreon people sure. like that's a form of begging i don't have a problem with that right but my problem with like that the concept is now i've lost my ability to act in a specific way right i like from a chari- ch- charity standpoint i don't think anybody should starve to death right and we have the means in this world sure. to ensure oh, yeah. no one starves Absolutely. to death. Well, and the government impedes those means. So, there yeah. are many, many different things yeah. impede that means. Government is the main driver of that. But that's my problem with like that sure. that style of justice. And there, there's probably like good descriptions, good explanations against it, and things like that. But like mm. that's my problem is like I've now been forced to act in a way that I don't want, just yeah. the same way as the government does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By 
because I have to maintain an insurance policy. Well, see, I, I think it's different than than the way the government does, is because in a cascading in a cascading result of con- interlocking contracts or whatever, it's they're all voluntary. Whereas when the government does it, it's it's not voluntary. It's just they're like, well, we have more guns and we're going to force you Cor- to do it. Correct. So the the idea is that the idea being that your insurance company removes their insurance because you want to protect your uncle. Well, you agreed to the policy that the insurance company provided and and theoretically you knew that well this was this was a consequence laid laid out in the policy that if you you know person non grata if you yeah i i agree and and the thing is is too is that like i I, one of the things that i like about the anarchist perspective is that in in our current situation and 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 this will lead into our next uh our next topic um so much of our life is a result of our expectation of what the state does Correct. So and this this causes major 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 market distortion. So like one of the things, one of the very first things that we talked about on the show was roads. Mm-hmm. And so one of so roads great. You know I can get around and stuff, and that's awesome. Um, despite the fact that there's potholes everywhere and that they do a very poor job maintaining them, you know it's great to be able to get around. Is it the best way to get around? Well, that's you know that's a that's subjective. It, it is subjective. It's also not only is it subjective, it's also it's imp- it's very difficult to know. Uh, there you can know what is. And it's very difficult to know what could have been. So this is sort of like opportunity cost. It, mm-hmm. and that no, it's, it's not about. sort of. Well, it is. It, it is, is exactly opportunity cost. opportunity cost. So, you know, let's say that they spend, you know, $100 million or whatever on the road. Yeah, it's great that you can get from, you know, Virginia Beach to the middle of nowhere. Sure. You know, you might, you might want to go out there and go hiking or all that, all that sort of stuff. But is that the most productive use of that $100 million? Or like in Seattle, we were talking about that last, last week is they budgeted for $870,000 per mile. Per bike lane mile. For bike, per, yeah, per bike lane mile, and it ended up costing $13 million per bike lane mile. Was that $13 million per bike lane mile better used to build those bike lanes, or would that $13 million per bike lane mile have been better used to like help the enormous amount of homeless people that are in Seattle, which also Seattle causes that problem by I, their other it, it, See, that was, yeah. that was what I was going to say. Is that $13 million wouldn't have been sure. well spent on those homeless people because they were sitting there with the yeah. fact that they have a $15 minimum wage sure. and these people don't command yeah. $15 in the market. That's true. Yeah. And well, and see, this may have been a better than solution is just to let the Seattleites keep the money. Now, granted, a lot of the issue here is that, and this is this has to do with problems with the federal government as well, that a lot of the $13 million are federal funds that are then given to the, to so the state. So it's my of, money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There are, a lot of it's federal funds. Actually, no, no, no. So correction. It's your mother's great-grandchildren's money since it's all borrowed. That's true. And yeah. we're not actually paying it. Yeah, right, right. And mom's nodding her head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So That's true. So it's my daughter's children's yep. money. Yeah, exactly. So Thanks. this kind of this kind of gets <laughs> into- this kind of gets into the same same sort of situation is that uh, this is sort of in the new California uh, solar panel law for new homes. Mm-hmm. So I did a little bit of research on this just because it's something else I wanted to talk about. And it and it, it kind of plays into this whole idea of market distortions. And the distortions have a lot of unintended consequences that kind of go down the line. And my mom and I talked a little bit about this before. She brought up some interesting points that I, I wrote down these uh, – I wrote down these points as well. So she, one of the things that I'm, so I said, I said, you know, there's this problem with, you know. So, anyways, for those of you who don't know, California has passed a new law. The new law says that all it's new, not a new law. It's a new regulation from not their EPA but their yeah, uh, the their energy, energy commission. commission. So yeah. it's not a law. It's a fiat. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. It is a rule by commission of unelected right. officials. Yeah, bureaucrats. And, yeah. It, and it's not like it's judges. Right. Because like there is a there is a there is a concept of judiciary. Mm-hmm. This is a executive branch of the state of California right. that is legislating from the pulpit yeah. of progressivism. Yeah. So let me let me Governor Moonbeam. That's right. Yeah. Well, he's hopefully he's going to be gone soon. But then it's going to be uh, the yeah, San Francisco yeah, Gavin Newsom. Gavin yeah. Newsom unless, who's probably going to be worse? Unless Travis Allen or John Cox somehow yeah. miraculously. And, and maybe maybe like I'm, I, bet, I'm let's, betting. Let's hope for the same I'm, spot. I think it's going to be someone completely unexpected in California. So California oh, actually has like, a really interesting way because it, it, you 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 only I, you need a plurality yeah. to win. And um, there's actually a really strong I, I think libertarian this, candidate. I running. think the San Francisco guy. There's some skeletons in his closet oh. that are going to come out that are like Trump level weirdness, yeah. where it's just I don't know. There was plenty of skeletons in Jared Brown's too. That's true. But that's that's yeah. the thing is like after Schwarzenegger, right? They 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 could only go to Brown because they're just like we need somebody we knew, right? I think the guy from San Francisco has burned burned a lot of bridges within the state yeah. by and pissed yeah. LA off. And I don't yeah. think LA is gonna stand behind it. Well and actually I, the libertarian the gonna... libertarian candidate's from LA. So yeah. and, and I, I really like the uh, and also he's oh, black. Who is the libertarian um candidate? uh I have to look it up. He's black too, so like maybe he oh, could so like play, play on the heartstrings mm. of the Californians. Yeah, because um, any black conservatives or libertarians. Yeah, that's true. Like... They're they're all Uncle Tom's. Yeah. Yeah. So let me go ahead and like read the summary real quick of the law. So the law is that uh, new single-family homes and multifamily buildings of three stories or less must come prefabricated with solar panels to take effect in 2020. So that's the law or the, or the fiat. Um, now, there are some exceptions. The exceptions are that uh, smaller homes or homes that are in shaded or with shaded roofs are, are exempt from this, but they must come up with equivalent energy-saving policies in the house. Mm-hmm. So that that is the that's the exception. So the 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 exception that mom or mom brought this up when we were talking about it, she said, "Oh, I'm sure there's loopholes that people can get around." And there are. The loopholes are that you have to come up with equivalent energy savings, which, according to the article I read, including the equivalent savings, that would average to an a increase in home prices of ten thousand five hundred dollars. Now, the Energy Commission says. Eh, doesn't matter because the average home price in California is $530,000. So as a percentage of the home price, not a big deal. And besides, inflation in the United States is high enough that that's only one year's worth of inflation in home prices. So, And you're also going to save $19,500 in energy costs. Actually, they say 16000 Oh, Jason was wrong. 16500 over 30 years. Over 30 years. Yeah. Now uh, – the, the national average of a home is $269,000. The Texas average of a home, $157,000 in a state that's very unregulated as far as building concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this Which part- $40,000. I know, I know. Right. You want to buy your home in two years. Right. After the collapse? In in August, the interest rates are going to spike like crazy. And then it's going to, the market's just going to go bananas. Okay. So our plan is to start saving. Texas is going to skyrocket. Right. And then it's going to drop off when people are like, I don't want to live in Texas because they're not flipping blue. Yeah. Okay. That's true. Yeah. Um, So, anyway, so so I went over this that the regulator said, well, basically, you'll save that money over 30 years. Mm -hmm. The, The recent article that I read about this 
reason says, yeah, but if you put $10,500 in a 401k over 30 years, you're going to be making like $60,000, whereas you're only going to be making 16500 over the 30-year period when you're recovering the and cost. You're, and you're not making that because yeah. the, what it doesn't include is the fact that solar panels get more efficient every year. Sure. They break down all the time. Mm-hmm. The cleaning cost of them, it's, it's not, yeah. you're not spending the $9,500, which is the projected cost of the panels. Right. And that's it. Right. That it's it's not it's a maintenance cost yeah. over time. Yeah. And this is though, you know, a lot of times if you go get solar panels now, the panels actually belong to the company and they're yeah. responsible. Well, that's like Solar City does. Yeah, that, most yeah. and keep them up. So what does California have a I'm, it I mean, doesn't. The article does are not say it has to be part of the the yeah, homeowners it, thing. It, it, yeah, yeah the article doesn't say. So okay. it may be. It that, may that be that it's not included in the house. It may be that it's something you rent. I, I, don't, I don't think know. they're. I don't think they're smart enough to have done that. Yeah, to be um, honest, because the Elon Musk wasn't pushing this initiative, and he owns most of Solar City. Sure. And there are several companies where like that was the goal was to create a distributed power network. Yeah. Which was my idea the entire time, but right. doing it through schools. Yeah. Because it's most schools aren't shaded yeah. stupidly. So their energy costs right. are and they have crazy. big flat roofs. And they're they're flat and then half the year they're not cooling the entire school. Right. So like during the hottest months you could just be dumping power power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and especially if you could do batteries like you know contain batteries on the roof for the or or like summertime or like kinetic energy storage which i've always thought was like a good idea is that because generally you don't need the at the high points of energy production for solar and wind uh because when it's hot it's also that's when most of the wind is um because it creates high pressure systems but uh the is that if you store the kinetic this has always been my like idea to like jip the system or whatever is that you you build gigantic piston um, like aqua, like uh, what do they call them? aquifer piston systems, mm-hmm. and uh, you store the energy during low energy cost times, and then you sell the energy at high. But like yeah. then I found out that like the the law is that most um, do blended rates. They do blended rates exactly. Yeah. So like so you don't get the there is no advantage. Yeah. So, but anyways, uh, kind of going back to the article. So like the the regulators argue that you know you're going to save the money over the thirty year period, but they don't take into account things like opportunity cost. So like. Uh, and also, they don't take into account that over a thirty-year period, technology is going to increase, and your your your. I think the most right now is twenty-three percent efficient solar panels. I think that's the highest. I'm, I believe there are panels with higher efficiency. Yeah, but the cost is astronomical. Right. So I know that I know that like the the holy grail of of solar efficiency is seventy-three percent efficient, which the only thing that reaches close to that efficiency right now is evacuated solar tubes, which are awesome, which are really cool. Yeah. And those are those are used for heating water. So you can mm-hmm. basically boil water in them. And but the problem is that if you're not using the water, it's just it's boiled but, and it's hot, and then that's and it. That's the thing is like, and you and I don't disagree with this. Yeah. But heat to sterling to right. like there are a bunch there of things are, yeah, that could do be stir- done. Yeah, you could do, you could do high efficiency sterling, mechanical to, yeah, advantage. And, and then, to, yeah, and they'll yeah. just run. Or you know, my my other idea that I've been talking about a lot lately is using evacuated solar tubes to increase the temperature differential between OTEC tech in OTEC technologies that you've got. About a, you know, I think about 150 feet below the surface of the ocean. And these it, are flip ships, basically. Yeah, flip ship idea. Yeah. yeah. So you flip ship it. You've got the bottom of the flip ship is is down in the 60s. Well, if you put evacuated solar tubes on the top side, you can increase the temperature differential by several hundred by several degrees. hundred degrees, and then you can use ammonia to push 
to, to turn the turbine mm-hmm. and and then cool it very quickly and you could generate electricity that way so you so these have, i i feel like they don't use evo- evacuated solar tubes as efficiently as they could they don't use sterling engines they as don't efficiently yeah, as yeah. they could well like nasa even uses sterling engines on the spacecraft they yeah. use they use like depleted uranium which generates heat to turn the sterling engine yeah to to because they don't need a lot of high demand energy they just need it to slowly generate energy over energy time there yeah so that's one of the one of the many 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 ideas of Jacob is like you you use OTEC. There's there's hundreds and hundreds of gigawatts of energy in the ocean that's not being used. Or the and Great Lakes, yeah, or the Great Lakes, or anything like that. The it might endanger the dolphins or starfish or whatever. But that's at the same time, you do time, in the Great Lakes. You do in the Great Lakes to yeah. wipe out the carp. Right there, you go. Yeah, you do that. Uh, so, anyways, back to the reason article is um, reason kind of reasonably goes through things that you can do to they say these are a couple of things that could also decrease the cost of energy in the in in California. So California uh, one of the things that they could do is this is, is other policy stepped uh, other policy steps that would reduce energy consumption and lower the cost of housing in California which California has almost three times no it's a little more than twice the cost on average nationally. Um, so in so decrease the cost of housing is to repeal land use zoning laws and increase the availability of more energy efficient multifamily um, energy if energy inefficient so single family or energy inefficient um, homes. So they basically say like reducing the number of single family homes and making them more multifamily. And so here's their reasoning on that is they say San Francisco is 49% single family homes, which causes people holy to move. moly yeah. Which causes people, and they're and they're not connected homes. Yeah. So they're single family because so, it's yeah. yeah single family disconnected homes. Uh, so this this encourages people to move out to the suburbs, and that increases fuel moving going into San Francisco to work. But they can take the BART. They could take the BART, <laughs> <laughs> which we talked about that recently. <laughs> we did, we want all of us love the BART. I love, we take yeah. the BART. Remember when That's right. we I, got there and we got. I absolutely. Oh, we couldn't take the rental car. Right. I well, absolutely love the Bart. Yeah. I don't just, like it. just yeah. the the novelty of it. Yeah. I don't like what the Bart represents. Right. Yeah. Well, if you go to Atlanta, you can take the Marta. Uh, that's true. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and they also like what in, in Dallas it's the Dart. But uh, it, well, for those of you who don't know, it, for those of you who don't know, my mom's name is Marta. Tide, which is second in the country for the least efficient. Oh. <laughs> Hawaii is probably number one. Yeah. No, it's Arizona has the well, least Hawaii's, efficient light rail. Why is this not complete? <laughs> <laughs> right. Problem. Well, apparently, like well, it's e- burning up in the, the volcano yeah. now. Right, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Wrong island, but right. Well, <laughs> close enough. So San Francisco. So what what has happened with San Francisco's is that it has caused people to move out to places like San Jose and uh, well, actually Stockton, where you used to live. So <laughs> in San Jose, seventy five percent of the houses are single family homes, disconnected. Yeah. But San Jose is a sprawling metropolis. Like, San Jose is like as Dallas as you can be yeah, in California. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like literally, you want to build a you know a thousand homes right there? Right. Go ahead. Right. No yeah, one cares. Right. It's just garbage yeah. land. But and, and, it's but, San Jose. But, but, the, but the reason a lot no, of those places are doing that is because it's people who commute to some of the the they they commute. It's the they want the tax bracket to remain yeah. right. They want people who are making a million dollars at mm-hmm. Google to yeah. keep living in San Jose. Right. And then LA is fifty-seven percent single-family homes, which is surprising. Yeah, that is surprising. No, is that LA, LA County? County or yeah, LA County. Yeah, 
75 county is only 51 percent like 75 percent well 75 okay oh i'm sorry 57 percent yeah 57 like la county if you told me la county was 95 percent single family homes i'd be like yeah of course because la county is it's massive compared to la itself proper well and this is what they're saying is that if you could just if you just repealed the zoning laws and and allowed people to build multifamily homes on the same property you could bring the population in a little more concentrated and you would save a lot of the fuel costs mm-hmm. of commute. And, but, uh, but you wouldn't you know, get that gas tax. Diane Feinstein or not Diane. Yeah. Diane Feinstein, when she was mayor of San Francisco, uh, was very much opposed to this because she's like, Oh, well it removes the charm of San Francisco and like the old Victorian oh, homes, San which is so charming right now. Right. Yeah, it is. But, and honestly, like, you well, know, I mean, you, you watch during house, the sixties, yeah. it was so charming. And everybody <laughs> was freezing to death on the streets right, because yeah. they were, yeah, Dr- drugged up homeless morons. Well, that's only one section. <laughs> yeah. My parents actually lived in San Francisco in the sixties, but they well, that was no, not, yeah, because they, they didn't chose not to live in the heat, it, it, which well, is yeah. a great decision. More, more the fifties. I'm sorry, Jacob. I don't think it was San Francisco, was it? It was. Yeah. Oh. Well, I think they moved in the late fifties. Oh, yeah, okay. if you don't, that's if they, you, they moved out to Santa Rosa. Yeah, Santa Rosa. Yeah. If you like not to live in the hate, yeah, right. it was okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 No, we actually went to San Francisco a lot, and it was a fun place to go. We still like. I really like San Francisco. Well, who just did that? study that in a 46 block area or something they had like over a thousand used hypodermic needles yeah. human excrement well that's actually a lot uh, of that's on the bart I mean, because they won't like so the bart it opens up and they allow all these homeless people to come in and shoot up and uh well i, I mean i guess they're homeless but like that's like the safe place to shoot up but they also are like pooping in buckets and leaving the buckets out everywhere well and, and on like, the street yeah and yeah. and animals as well and yeah you know, just trash and garbage. It's I, just, I, just, I still mean, love San Francisco. Is ruined. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it yeah, does have like there is a charm to San Francisco, but it's it, but yeah, I mean, it's like it's human excrement is not a great charm. No, it's not. I and agree. and well, and it's and it's, <laughs> well, I mean, if yeah. you're you know, if I guess you're, you're if you're one and a half, or, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Oh, you pooped, your baby. Yeah, <laughs> like let's get so you cleaned yeah. up. Right, but yeah, I mean, it, it is it's a it's a big problem, and like and this is the thing is that like is California thinks that this type of thing is going to make them appealing and. Right now, so you know, I talking to my new boss and stuff like that. You know, he was from Utah, but he he was telling me about like the amount of companies that are moving to Dallas yeah. from California, and it's it's for this very reason. It's it's the taxes. It's also because people just don't want to live there anymore, and people the only people who live there, and, and it's hemorrhaging people. And actually, New York is hemorrhaging people too. New York loses a hundred thousand. Pe- new York City loses a hundred thousand people a year, and the only people moving into New York City are New Yorkers from other upstate New York. Yeah. And actually, I think Larry Sharp talked about this. Uh, but they, maybe I, I don't know if I heard right. It. But like they're they're losing a hundred thousand people a year. California is losing population now because people are just are leaving because the taxes are too crazy well, and there's no housing. But they're gaining population from the south. They are, yeah. They're getting, yeah. They're gaining Mexicans. They're making up for it. Oh, which although we're huge in tax living. base. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, well, the, but they're they're doing what they're doing what rational people do. Yeah. In a housing shortage. Right. They live five, six people, one bedroom. Yeah. Like they live in conditions that like Where they they're not me, living in excrement. Yeah. They they have a clean house. Like they just have like would you know, like your apartment, like in Soviet yeah. Russia, would have had three, four families living in it, yeah. and it wouldn't necessarily have been uncomfortable. Right. It wouldn't been where you would want to live if you could be like, yeah. Oh yeah, but like you're not shooting crack up in the middle of the street. That's true, yeah. yeah. Like and, and so like that so um, there's a show called Grand Design. Right. So as, as, well, we really haven't gone over your and I, lo- your and I's love of Britain. Right. 
Like we really like Britain. Yeah. In yeah. like well, oh, I like going just, there. Like I love I love going yeah. there. Like I love Britain itself. Like yeah. I don't like the mayor of London, who's a yeah. moron. Like <laughs> oh, we're gonna outlaw knives. Right. Okay. Good. All luck. right. Good luck. Good luck outlawing trucks. Like right. you idiot. Like yeah. So, but there's a show called Grand Designs, and you know the British, like the British version of like um, reality television is so different than oh, yeah. the U.S. television because it's mainly about the presenter, right, and his interaction with the other people. Sure. So, on one of the episodes of Grand Design, this lady is like been gifted land from a family member. But the local council, so the local communists, right. who are like, oh, this is class five building. Right. Where, like, literally they had to design a concrete feature in this house for this person who, like, like they're building, like, a house for 100,000 pounds. Which right. is, let's call it, at the time, $200,000. So, 90, what was it, the 276,000 was uh, the median house price uh, in the US? Of the United States? Or yeah, just of, of, okay. US, of the US. 269,000. So, it's roughly 200. Yeah, so yeah. let's just pretend it was 100,000 pounds. Right. And it was roughly that. Yeah. Which is about 200,000. Like, let's yeah, just a pretend less, it was, but a, yeah, it but was a time yeah. when it was double. Sure. Double the pound to the dollar. So, $200,000 home. This lady, single mother, mm-hmm. like, didn't make a lot of money. Right. She's got it. And, like, she literally had to build a solar concrete wall in her house that would face a certain direction. To absorb the morning sun in Britain. Yeah. In Britain. It's not like it's yeah, LA. Yeah. You're like, yeah. like, no, it's in Britain and like to absorb the sun to heat the home. Right. Like they have these insane, insane requirements of like thermal regulation, thermal loss. Like, yeah. And this is a local council. Right. It's not like the state of north shire hampton england right there that's it wasn't even the county in england it was literally this local block was like well these are the class restrictions we've designated on this property right but like people in california are like oh oh, oh, we we, we've got to be more efficient Mm -hmm. well yeah you could have solar like literally like if you sell fiberglass insulation in california like if california was serious about this thing that would be illegal yeah because high density polymer foams which are oil based by well, the way, and also which I, are yeah. twice as efficient, can keep bugs out, like all mm-hmm. of these things. Like there are all of these little tweaks you could make to regulations sure. to make the well, homes you know, hyper efficient. This would be very, very unpopular, but one of the things that they could do to increase efficiency of homes is allow asbestos. Especially yeah, if it's yeah. sealed, like asbestos is incredibly efficient. It does cause. My, yeah, it, my dad was literally talking about like being in a gun turret, yeah. like in the middle of winter, <laughs> right? When he was working ship repair. And then wrapping the asbestos blanket around him, being like, "Yeah, this is the most the warmest blanket I've ever had." Well, like, and, and, so, and also, asbestos, but, you know, supposedly, and, and actually, I think it was Mises. A reason had had well, they 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 talked about things that have been outlawed and, and demonized in American culture. One of them being asbestos. One of them being a DDT, where they're like, "Yeah, like there are there is evidence that these do cause problems." But at the same time, DDT was outlawed in the United States, and we don't really need it that much anymore. Yeah. But DDT, because it was outlawed in the United States, was also outlawed outlawed in places like Jamaica and South Africa, or in the continent of Africa, and things like that. And it's like, so DDT is outlawed. It's the most efficient poison at killing mosquitoes. And there are people who, in these countries, are dying in their thousands from malaria. Yeah. And you've made it, and you've made DDT illegal. Yeah, DDT is one of those substances, unlike Roundup. Right. There is no environmental like Roundup is starting to be not effective. Right, like the chemicals that were behind Roundup stop being effective. Yeah, 
DDT in the 30 plus years that it was used never stopped being right. effective. It's literally the agent of death. Yeah. Like DDT is super effective. And, and it does cause problems, but a lot of the problems that it causes are a ramification of there not being as many mosquitoes. And so yeah. like it's, they, they do cause problems. Like, you know, I wouldn't say they cause cancer because there's actually very little evidence that they are, that it's associated. And if it is, it's very low. But it destroys the bald eagle's eggs. It, well, it does weird things like that. So yeah. like, but that's a lot of that is, is, is food chain changes, which, you but know, that's the thing is it's, you know, it's food chain changes that were introduced by the fact that there was an un native species that right. was introduced in the food chain, like the tiger mosquito. Right. And like, Suddenly, we have like all these super mosquitoes, and it's like, no, 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 these Indian mosquitoes that have yeah. outplaced the native mosquitoes shouldn't exist, right. like starlings. Yeah, like if we could find a way to breed, po- like, because there's a way you can breed mosquitoes where like the males can't, like, they will reproduce first; they'll be sexually right. mature way faster than every other one, mm-hmm. and then they'll impregnate the females, and they will go out of mosquito heat. Right. And be useless. Right. They won't have offspring, and it's super effective. And people are like, oh, you're, like, tampering with nature. Yeah, tiger yeah. mosquitoes don't exist in the right, United exactly, States. Right, exactly, yeah. Starlings, which are a freaking plague, like, yeah. the worst damn birds in the United States. <laughs> right. It should just be, like, bred, like, I like I hate cats, Yeah, as you know, right. because people let them out, and then they just wipe out the, they <laughs> wipe Bob, out the, Bob, Yeah, right she now. quits. Yeah, Bob loves cats. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like, I like, I like cats that you have indoors that don't crap and pee right. all over your furniture <laughs> well i remember like, you had yeah, you had yeah, that one cat that i had yeah. did that yeah. but like you let cats outside and they just kill things for fun right if we could breed cats that only killed starlings sure i'd be for it I'd be yeah. like let well, tell me what starlings do because i had no idea they were a problem well, they're just they, not, they, they're not they outbreed yeah. they out eat and like so most because they're not native to north america they're native to england which is a much right. tougher environment to live so they're much hardier than almost every native of north it's like like canadian it, well it's like these grapes yeah the the rocca to see telly yeah grapes is they're 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 very very hardy grape and they and they and breed massively okay yeah. so like so when just... like when the blue jay shows up and there's like two blue jays per square mile there's a thousand starlings and they eat anything so like yeah. now if they well, eat, or they eat all the tiger like, mosquitoes it's also kind of like care. you know they have the problem in florida is yeah, you remember I, I used to raise Ball tilapia. Pythons. Well, tilapia, tilapia. Yeah. So I used to raise tilapia in my garage. For those of you who don't know, I, I had forty four tilapia that we we bred to maturity or whatever, and then we didn't really end up eating them. We used them to fertilize the garden. But yeah. um, but there, there's a big problem. So so tilapia are basically the goats of the water. They're very difficult to kill, and they are. Uh, and and they're and they will they'll eat anything. They live in fresh water. They live in salt water. They live in brackish water. Um, and one of the things that I had to do when I got, and this, you know, one of the things that I, I don't disagree that this should happen, but I don't agree that the government should do it is they had to make sure that there was no access for me to let the tilapia out into the waterways in Virginia. And, uh, and so I got a, you know, license or whatever to have the tilapia. And then eventually we got rid of all the tilapia, but, um, it's sort of the same thing is that like the tilapia get out and they do cause problems and they're in the Everglades now. And yeah. that's a huge problem. In the Everglades cause they, they eat vegetation. They also will eat other fish eggs and they will eat, uh, they will eat like, uh, tiny alligators. Yeah, they're they're and, trash fish. Yeah, they are. They, they, they eat, just eat anything. And they're they illegal in California. Yeah. Yeah. North of Bakersfield. And right. they, the only thing they don't eat apparently 
It's pythons. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because there's pythons everywhere in yeah. Everglades. Also, like, <laughs> tilapia. But this is the this is the classic Australia problem. Right. They bring in cade toads to wipe out something. Right. And then they brought in success of everything else that didn't work yeah. to wipe out cane toads. It's like the king, the mice, and the cheese. Right. Yeah. Right. That is. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Luckily, mosquitoes only last for one season, so you can breed one that breeds faster. Yeah. But like cane toads, unless you like found a way to like. Just make them not yeah. breed again. See, also, like, I think I think also also Australia has a problem with the mice. Is that like mice are not native to Australia and they are everywhere. That's why they brought in the cane toads. Oh, is that what it was for? I think okay. I yeah tentatively think that's yeah. the reason. Okay, a toad like, will kill them. Oh, because the cats eat them. Maybe. Well, no, no, no. no, no like, no, well, taint, cane toad like toads. Toads like, will certain, eat meat. Certain toads are like the most aggressive huh. little like because they they don't have a problem with they don't they don't need water. Yeah. Like they're just super aggressive animals and like cane toads are some of the worst. And like, like Australia is just a play. Like they literally built a fence across Australia and attempts to stopping these things because the yeah. government brought them in. It was just like some dumb decision. Right. No. Well, I don't think well, you, I, they, I think they did. And then the cats started getting crazy too. And like, there's, there's like, easier to control. Yeah. Like, you can hit them with a shotgun. Right. Or, or you could just spay them all and let them go and they'll, they'll go yeah. crazy. But but yeah, so anyways, this is, this is, I guess we're getting way off track and we're about an yeah. hour and 30 minutes in, so I think well, it's about so, time to wrap up. Yeah, so like, I, th- I think that like the biggest thing to take away is like, if you're trying to, like, one of the things that like, like progressive policy is always yeah. to try to tweak until you achieve the best right. thing, but they never tweak the right thing. Right. So like, if you're looking at like energy efficiency, it's not how much energy the home is using in electricity. Right. Like necessarily, it's how much energy is the home expelling into the environment around it. Right. So you could have much more efficient walls and energy, like literally like fiberglass mm-hmm. insulation. If you're like a progressive, right. why are you allowing fiberglass? It should be all spray foam insulation sure. because that is super efficient right. per or, or, cubic or, or whatever Or you density. should start allowing asbestos again because asbestos was incredibly efficient at well, the time. I mean, and, like, and, and asbestos doesn't cause cancer unless you're removing it. That's, that's the well, big Well, it, it causes deal. cancer in two places. In production, right. installation, yeah. because you because you have to cut it. That's true. So yeah. there, there's an argument to be made for standardized Right. Installation, like, you know, sure. literally, like, installation pieces, mm-hmm. like, requiring where the, like, everything has to be. But that's yeah. why spray foam is better. Because but you, you, can, you know what they could do? They could just get eight hours of sleep and reduce their cancer chances by 32%. Well, it depends on the cancer. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, right, but that's, that's the thing true. is, like, and that's the problem is you're trying to roll the dice. Right. And solve, <laughs> solve a problem. With, like, so the, the way the government acts is the government always acts in two ways. If you think about it, they act with buckshot yeah. and they act with snipers. Right. They always trying to solve something in a general way or precision. Right. We're going to target these pedophiles and spend $2 billion and we're going to capture 20 of them. Right. Yes. If they captured 20 people who were going to molest children, if I had the opportunity to donate X percentage of my sure. tax dollars to that, Instead of just general taxes, right. 100% would give the money. Sure. No problem. I don't have a problem with that. But I also consider the fact that, like, the way the public school probably makes more pedophiles than anything else, yeah. the fact that these or, people or are the, tortured. Or the foster system. Well, these yeah. people are tortured by not being able to get enough sleep because yeah. they're the way the schools are. Like, yeah. all the things that goes into making a pedophile. Yeah foster system like parents being abused well, I mean, this, this by the, the thing school is like, there's like there's like a 30 something percent chance or not 30 percent chance but like there's a, a huge number of kids that go into foster care that are molested by yeah. the foster parents 
exactly or, or like or like, they go to group homes it, it's just an unending yeah. consequence like instead of spending my money on that yeah. let me spend my money on these other things but like sure. that's the thing is like the government always tries to act with these broad remedies instead of just going well, what are the people actually asking for right and this brings me to my final kind of final idea of this is this is kind of the jason stapleton argument about california right. jason stapleton He's financially well off, but yeah. like he is an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. He lives and dies by the fact that he produces income, produces right. content that produces him income. And this is where I've kind of rethought my position on moving back to California. Right. I hate waking up and not knowing what the hell the weather is going to be. And that is Virginia. Right. Yeah, that is Virginia. That's and true. I also hate the fact that at a certain point in the summer, my wife doesn't like to go outside. I'm not bothered by the heat right. anymore. I don't care. Yeah, well, I mean, but, you know, I, I've gotten very used to the humidity yeah. here too, and but, like but it where, took us a long time though. Remember when yeah. we first moved here, oh, we yeah. could not deal. But with where, it. where do I know that the weather is exactly the weather I want yeah. at any time? California, San Diego. Yeah, yeah, San Diego yeah. specifically, not well, San Diego County. Yeah. Right, San Diego by the water. Right, like I have family that lives in San Diego. I have family that lives outside in the county. Jake was born in San Diego. I was yeah. born there. I. I absolutely. I have not been there since I've been old enough to remember, though. Yeah, but I, when you guys moved there, possibly uh, I, I might. I might not have been. Yeah, I. I. But, I, but see, you've been there a couple of times, and you love it. But I love the weather. Right. Like I. I. If I was from El Dorado Hills, like you, yeah, when, you the way it. you yeah. describe El Dorado Hills would be amazing. Yeah. The, the problem but, is that El Dorado Hills, the way that we remember it, describe it, doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. Yeah. But Which like, is sad. But but when you walk out, like in San Diego, yeah, it is never below fifty degrees. Yep, and is rarely above at eighty. Now, yeah. San Diego County, sure, hundred and ten. Yeah, yeah. San Diego. San Diego, like where we lived yeah. when we I was a kid, wasn't that like that was pretty bad. Where we lived in San Diego? Yeah. Uh, weather-wise, it was fine because it was oh. essentially San Diego. Community-wise, it was... Tijuana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. the thing. is like yeah. you I mean, can, but we just didn't... You know, but you can live, you can live number one, 30 minutes up the coast from yeah. San Diego. Right. And you're not in L.A. Right. And you're not in the, the counties that lead to L.A. You're, you're in the counties that are more... Like... Carlsbad, or yeah, that type of place? kind of, yeah, or less ocean, less of the ocean. desert, more more on the, yeah, more on the more ocean, on the coast ocean itself, something. sure, ocean, or oceanside, yeah, oh, oceanside, oceanside, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, or you can go, you know, two to three hours north of San Diego or north of L.A. itself, yeah, on the coast. Oh, wait, well, you like, could, yeah, or on the Grapevine, or you could go to Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz is nice. Santa Cruz, like Santa Cruz, is very nice. Yeah, but Santa like, Cruz is chilly. It gets yeah, cold yeah, in this winter. Yeah. Santa Cruz is chilly, but that's the type of weather that I like. Where, well, it's, yeah. like, because the last time I went to San, like, yeah, as you know, like, I'm a type of guy who has to wear deodorant all the time. Right. When I'm in California, don't ever yeah. bring deodorant. Don't need to. Yeah. Now, if I'm in, like, if I'm going to Stockton, I have I don't to. Know, I would ask like, the people around you before you. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, and then, like my brother, yeah. my brother was yeah. with me, and my brother's yeah. the type of guy who's like perfectly groomed at any time, and he's sure. not, and he's not complaining. Oh, also, congratulations so, to your brother; he just yeah. graduated. So, yeah, but like that's the sort the of thing where, like, when I put deodorant on in like San Diego, right. it's for like now I smell good, now I'm comfortable. Right. I'm not trying to beat off the fact that like I'm swamp thing because <laughs> it's literally 80, 82 degrees with a hundred percent humidity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I love Virginia, but like. San Diego, like, and then the food in San Diego, like, because sure. you can get avocados all the time, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a very big port city, even right. though, like, L.A. is the port. Right. But, like, San Diego, like, oh, yeah. it's San Diego's, like, San Diego suffers from Norfolk syndrome, except for the port of San Diego is larger than the port of Norfolk. Right. The port of Norfolk, if it did not have 
the Navy here mm-hmm. would be the largest port on the East Coast. It would dwarf right. New York because it's just, just the access that you could buy the land. You could just right. buy out ODU and sure. just literally make it the best port in the world because right. there's just insane amount of portage. And it's all in deep this, water, which is nice. You know? Not all of it. No, it's Actually, not all? Yeah, most of it isn't. Oh, really? But the Navy's okay. made most of it deep water. Oh, okay. But well, they like, just dredge it up? Or? Yeah, they dredge it. Just, it's oh, dredged the bay. I didn't know that. But like, okay. that's the thing is like, it could be this amazing port, but it's not because the Navy takes up most of it, which is, yeah. you know, whatever for here, that's fine. Right. But San Diego is the same way, except for San Diego still has portage. Right. Because it's so, it's just literally the coast. You just move down the coast. But like, well, I encourage you guys to move to San Diego because it's a cheaper the, flight uh, from Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> port of San Diego is polluted half the time because of the uh, many, overflow of the sewer from yeah. LA? Mexico. Yeah. Oh, from Mexico, yeah. really? Ma- yeah, many, di- many different things. Yeah. But that's kind of the thing is like, I don't want to move my daughter away from her grandparents. And okay, yeah. both, like, other than the fact that my mother-in-law doesn't live, my mother-in-law sure. still lives in Stockton. My father-in-law lives here. Yeah. My uncle-in-law lives here, and he's what, you know, so, like, San Diego is kind of the dream place, but mm-hmm. that's the thing is, like, sure. I'm not moving to San Diego until I can build my own home. Sure. Right. Or buy my uncle's, because my uncle's home is great. Like, he's, yeah. he lives up on one of the canyons, like, on yeah. the Aurora's, like, oh, nice. and he's, like, a five-and-a-half-minute drive from Black's Beach. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, which is the big, like, San Diego beach, but, like... Yeah. He's literally like it is like the, the like when I think of California, that's the classic California to me. Right, where it's like yeah. literally like my so with stories of my dad surfing and everything like that. We, we see, we yeah. like we have like, and this is kind of goes back to like a lot of my argument for Jefferson or whatever. Is that's not California to me at all? Yeah, like Northern California is California to me, not and like north of San Francisco. Oh, and, that, and, and that's uh, the thing is, northeast. I I yeah, love yeah. that part of right. like I love that part of california too sure, and i've yeah. spent very little time there but right. every time i'm there i'm like because like i like i look at the pacific northwest sure. and i look at because my right. grandparents lived in gig harbor yeah and i'm okay. like if this was just warmer and then yeah and, and then you just you just california go like a yeah. little bit north california and it's just enough warmer yeah that i'm like okay i'm not so cold all the time and i'm not going like <laughs> yeah. it could snow right it could snow and you're like yeah if you go in the mountains it's gonna snow sure, that's yeah. fine yeah it is but yeah. like that north area where you're like yeah I've got to wear pants, right? But I'm not wearing pants where I'm like here, where I'm like I'm wearing flannel pajama pants under the heaviest sure. denim I can find, <laughs> yeah. Plus, like a like a uh, wool, yeah, like a wool toggle coat that I and I'm wearing a jacket under that, and it's not cold here. Legitimately, right. it is never so cold. Like, like right. I, I mean, occasionally well, get sunburned. This is the yeah. first place when I realized I can't run out to the car real quick barefooted in the middle of the night. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, but the, that's the thing is like been able to do before. In and my, like, I really can't do that here. In my life, cold. I remember the times it's been below. Like I think, I, and I may be incorrect. I remember once it being a negative temperature. Oh, really? Oh, see, wow. I don't yeah, it, like it being that cold, but like one degree, right. and it's like yeah. it. It's four, four it was degrees, so cold, yeah. but like I that's not acceptable to me. Well, that's and it's one of the reasons why. Like, I mean, I I actually like it here too. One of the reasons, though, that I want to lo- move somewhere with a little bit more stable temperature, like Dallas, it does get very hot. I'm okay with it being very hot. I'm not okay with it being very cold. Yeah, and and that's kind of the where we're from in California. Like, rarely below fifty. Occasionally, no, I I remember like going to the forty five. In that, I remember going to the bus stop in junior high with like all bundled up and stuff like that, and being like. 
Oh, yeah. we can see our breath. Yeah, we can see our breath. It's so cold. I believe outside. We used to get a dusting of snow about once a year. Once in a while. Yeah. But, very but, rarely. But we lived very close. We lived in the yeah. foothills of yeah, We did Sierra. live in the foothills, yeah. So within 45 minutes or an hour, we, you, you we could were the snow. Yeah. lots of snow. And, and that's so that a, was a good deal. But it, I, don't, I don't know what it is about here, but it just it feels so brutal for so long. Yeah. It's the humidity. I guess that's it. It's still humid right when it's cold yeah right and that water sits in the air that's and that damp, that's that's yeah. the thing i love about san diego like yeah you can go swimming you might have to wear a wetsuit but right. like i have an aunt right. who does an open mile swim yeah. almost every day of the year yeah and well, i have like, to say when we first moved to san diego that's what was our first duty station after we were married yeah. that we lived we thought it was so humid we couldn't <laughs> believe it after coming down from yeah, the oh, coming out, yeah coming down yeah coming from the north out and raining we can't believe it the, the, wow, the rain's yeah. evaporating when it hits the sidewalk i mean we could i mean and then, can... then you move here and it's like yes. oh oh <laughs> i can ring i think I could, i'm gonna go hang the laundry on the line don't bother yes, you'll yes. just ring the water and back then, into and it then we yeah. visited florida and i went oh, oh yeah, yeah this yeah. is what real yeah and that's that's, well, that's and that's actually when i was out in dallas this this last couple of days uh they were complaining that it was humid they were like oh man it's so humid out today and i was like you guys right. like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so dry my lips were cracked and like like and i, and I was so I'm, I'm just gonna i'm just gonna have to buy you aquifer on amazon yeah. <laughs> well, interviews i didn't bring any aquifer but like or aquifer or however you say it yeah. but like uh i was there for interviews and i was like man my lips are chapped and they're cracking and like i'm gonna be embarrassed so like i was putting on this like medicated chapstick like remember when i had that yeah. that one year when i had like the vitamin b13 deficiency or whatever my lips were all cracked and stuff i felt like that was happening and so i was just like putting on this medicated chapstick trying to make it sure that like, i was presentable worse. yeah yeah you should have just gone i, I should have gone and picked yeah. up some aquaphor but i happen to have chapstick in my shaving kit ah and so like i was just putting this on but yeah but i guess nobody noticed because they all but because both both the or yeah the both companies that i interviewed with were like oh yeah we want to hire you and stuff and so like I end up choosing one, obviously, but like, yeah. uh, I, I think like sometimes I think things up more, more than they're going to be like, I'm like, oh, my lips are chaps, so they're going to hate me. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that kind of weird well, thing. And, that, and that's the thing is like, but like, like somebody in our office yeah. always has chapped lips yep. during the winter. And I'm like, dude, your lips are bleeding. Yeah. Like I have, pro- I have product that will stop this. In three days. Yeah. Well, your mom Literally. introduced me to Aquaphor. And like, I know. Jesse uses Aquaphor. It is the... Well, I think I introduced Jesse oh, to it. is that what I was yeah. It is the that. most... It is the... I don't have to use chapstick in the day anymore because I put it on at night mm-hmm. and it keeps my my lips moist yeah. all yes. day long. Yeah, it's it is great. Because like, I have chapped lips in Bahrain all the time. Yeah. yeah it you should is try Aquaphor. Like, it is bar none like the best because my sister has eczema, so she mm-hmm. has like incredibly dry skin. Mm-hmm. But that that's the sort of thing where it's like my wife's from Stockton, which is in the valley, and which it's is dry. Yeah, dry and in, hot. yeah, yeah, and it's and she longs for California. Yeah, but like because I originally was like, well, we'll move to San Diego because I can't live in like I'm not going to live in Stockton, and yeah. like we can't live in San Francisco. Yeah, like I would love to live in San Francisco, but we can't live in San Francisco. Right. Like yeah, it's just too expensive, too crowded. Well, too... and now like I'm afraid like my daughter will get murdered in the middle of the street for yeah. like, crack money. But right. like that's where like I've kind of got to that point because it was Jason's table and thing is like you are your own problem. Right. Anything that's wrong with your life, it's your own decision. Sure. Like yes, you can be born retarded and like not function or be born with no limbs right in like but you are like stephen hawking was literally like mind locked in his own body 
and still manage to produce content and like yeah, do something very productive, like, yeah. a very productive person. Like you can do things. And like, so Jason Stapleton's thing is like, I hated Kansas because I didn't know what the temperature was going to be like. Right. I moved to LA and I know what it's going to be. Yes, it's going to be warm some days. Right. But I live in Venice. So like, I can just literally oh, walk out and Venice there's Beach? the, pre- yeah, he lives oh, in Venice nice. Beach. So like, Venice. And he but- must make a lot of money. Yeah, he does. But like, this thing is Venice isn't, Venice isn't as rich as people think because okay. Venice is the shitty part of LA. Like of LA itself, okay. Venice is the shitty part. So I think doesn't doesn't some of the other libertarians that we listen to live in Venice Beach also? I don't believe they live in Venice oh, Beach, well, but no, yeah, yeah, one, no, one, of Venice. yeah one of them lives in Venice. Yeah, one of them lives in Venice Beach. Uh, Brian Brian Brian, Brian, Brian McWilliams lives yeah. in Venice Beach, but he makes fun of it because oh, okay. Venice Beach is Venice Beach is literally like the dichotomy of LA: bajillion dollar home, oh yeah, garbage bungalow, and it's not it's not Compton, right, but like right. garbage bungalow, right. But that's the sort of thing where that it's like for one point two million dollars. Yeah, because because they're because they bought the one next to right. it, yeah. and they bought the one next to it, and they bought the one behind it, and they're they know they're going to get the other yeah, two yeah. when those two people die, right? Or they like basically t- property tax price them out. But that's this the thing. Jason Stapleton's point was like, so I'm going to move to L.A., which is going to have way more taxes than yeah. I do in uh, Kansas City. But that's literally telling me to make more money, right? Like, why should I go like, oh, I'm going to lose more money? No, just make more money. And that's kind of where I got to my point in my life. I was like, no, that makes complete sense because there are things I don't like about here. And the only thing I like about here is like, I literally had everyone in my family that lives here fawning over my daughter. Right. And like, I can't imagine taking that away from my parents. But I also look at my parents and go, you can do the same, like the business I'm starting. Sure. My mom's doing it on Amazon or doing it through eBay, but like where she goes and buys crap from... like thrifting like thrifting which isn't profitable it's not measured it's not scientific like my parents can literally start doing what i'm doing and make enough money to move to san san diego yeah and i think your dad would probably like moving back there like i think my dad would hate moving back to san diego because it wouldn't be the same right until he went out on the beach yeah he's he's from san diego but like my dad could literally walk out on the beach in san diego with my granddaughter or with his granddaughter my daughter and be like nope yeah, this great. is worth it. Everything was worth it. Yeah. Literally, because like I just my... think it's so hilarious that your big reasoning is that you want to know what the weather's like every day. And as lovely as Hawaii was, and the weather was perfect all the time, that's the one thing I didn't like about it is that it never changed. <laughs> well, and that that's the thing is like in Hawaii, like you can go up to the top of the mountain and yeah. experience snow, but like in California, well, uh, no, only on the Big Island. Oh, really? Well, oh, but, oh, oh. but that's the thing. That's like, the only place. Yeah, yeah but, was, like, but on, like, in California, if you go interior and go up, yeah. like, if you go up the coast, yeah, you're going to spend all day trying to get through LA. That's like, what, yeah, that's I what like everybody says that they. Weather. I that's like what everybody says. The, everybody says is the great thing about living in san diego or whatever is that you can you can be skiing in the morning and surfing in the evening. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. like. And that's. But that's the thing. Is that's like, true? No. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Like I maybe kind of. I like mean, you, it's a long drive. Yeah, you, it is a long drive. Or and it's if, not. And it's not great. But skin. also, Mom, Knoxbury <laughs> Farm, and you could go see the peanuts. Well, here's <laughs> the thing. Here's the thing: is if you're as wealthy as I as I want like to be, as yeah. I imagine I would need to be to live in San Diego. Right, right. Yeah, like San Diego proper, you're not driving. Yeah, you you're flying. You're you're well, just flying. Actually, I mean, and, and I'm not arguing your reasoning at all. I just think it's funny that I have a completely oh, no, different oh, no, yeah. exactly. set of ideas of what I would want because I like. I guess and that that, that goes that like kind of goes back to the the like in von Bavirk argument is value is subjective. Yeah. Well, and that's so. the thing is I I like seasons. Right. What I don't like is the fact that I haven't like one of the things like. I love San Diego, 
and I've experienced many different seasons yeah. in San Diego, mm-hmm. but I've never lived a full two years in San Diego right. to kind of experience yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. El Nino, mm-hmm. La Nina, that sort of thing. Yeah. But one of the things that like I don't think you can ever beat in Hampton Roads is 77 degrees, 45 percent humidity. So it's a warm breeze okay. with yeah. a cool. And today like, is well, great. Today was yeah. beautiful. The back half of today was beautiful. The front half of the day was a little too warm. Oh, you think so? It was a little like because yeah. I had, so we, we, had, went, we went out walking, uh, yeah. and I, two, I thought it was really nice. Two or three yeah, no, two yeah, two, two o'clock was like two o'clock yeah. is when the weather really changed. Yeah, like the was, cloud cover blew in. Yeah, it was it like you can't really get nice. like I understand like San Diego has really great weather, yeah. and I'm arguing for it. Like literally talking about moving there, <laughs> right. but like Hampton Roads, like in the fall and the uh, sure. fall and the spring, have these times of the year where it's the humidity is up, and it's a range between about 66 and 75, where it's perfect. Yeah, it, there's enough moisture, so you're not like drying out, but there's not so much moisture that you're just drenched in sweat. Sure. But you can work up a sweat mm-hmm. if you needed to. But you could easily just like if you're a guy, take your shirt off. If you're a girl, like just pull your hair back off the oh, like, long no, hair. Now you're saying girls can't take their shirt off. Yes, uh, they yeah. can, but the government says they can't. <laughs> so, but like that's the sort of thing. Like you can easily cool down. Right. Like you can cool no, down I, very easily. But that's what kills me about like here is I haven't gotten that this entire year. It's been okay. yeah. cold, uh-huh. and then suddenly it's like. 92 yeah. degrees. It's only May. Yeah, I, I see what you're And it's saying. only May. And it's, it, June doesn't have those days. Well, and right. I believe that's what I'm told is going to be in Bahrain. Now, I haven't lived there a full year yet, yeah. and I haven't been through a summer. So I was very surprised to find the winter chilly there. Yeah. I mean, like, we had to, Jay had to actually buy go out and buy a sweatshirt, like a fleece sweatshirt. Yeah. Because he oh. didn't bring anything like that. I, because I had been traveling beforehand, had jackets, but I mean, I haven't worn shorts there yet, I don't think. I mean, it's been chilly, but and from what I understand, as soon as I get back... It'll be like 110. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and also you met in... And although the, there's a big death storm going on, I think. Yeah, and that's, that's right. Yeah, that's dead, the thing. Dead, is like, I don't, I don't long for extreme weather. I don't mind seasons, mm-hmm. but I don't like the idea that, like... I have to wake up and then dress completely differently yeah. day to day. I like I like that. I think it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I think it can be fun, but like I'm also from a place where it's been that way for thirty. I'm thirty one right. years old. Yeah. It's been that way for a very long time. And well, I except for those three months that you live in Stockton or four yeah, months. But that's the thing is like even well, it was just hot all the time. Probably. But yeah. like no, it was. It oh, was really? I I was there from January oh, okay. until about okay. um till about May, oh. but like it was. Very nice weather, mm-hmm. but like it started getting unreasonably warm in yeah. the late day. But like the last time, like I went out for my grandmother's funeral to San Diego, and it was June. Mm-hmm. And my cousins were like, "You picked the like we understand that you didn't pick to come during right, this time, right, right, right. but you picked the worst time to visit." And I'm like, "It's June. How the hell is this the worst time?" And they're like, "Well, the marine layer is in, so it was." cloudy the entire time yeah i got like one of the worst sunburns because it's literally like we were out at the beach Mm -hmm. we were doing all this stuff like we rented bikes we were like we were out doing stuff working up a sweat but like as soon as you stop and just had some water you're like oh i'm i'm great now like i can go another an hour and a half and then uh, that that, that is one thing about about california heat is you go in the shade yeah and just have a cool drink and it's like 20 degrees lower in the shade yeah and i looked at my skin and i was just like Oh, my yeah. wife is going to be pissed because <laughs> my wife, like, melanoma runs in her family. Sure. She's right, just like, right, right. stay out of the sun, you idiot. Right, right. And I'm like, oh, there's the yeah. marine layers in. And my cousins were like, yeah, we all have sunscreen on. I'm like, yay, wussies. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> no, because it's getting late and, I, yeah. and I've got to quit my job tomorrow, yeah. uh, which I don't, I'm are not looking forward to. Are you quitting or are you putting two weeks notice? To, putting my two weeks notice. Uh-huh. Okay. And, uh. 
but you know, knowing knowing our bosses, he could have any sort of reaction to that. Uh, I think he'll have a reasonable reaction. But, I don't want hopes. But uh, so we're gonna go ahead and call it quits for today. So, yeah, so check us Hort- out at Horton Vineyard, mm-hmm. uh, Recasivili. I think that's Recasivili. Yeah, two thousand and sixteen. Yep. My wine glass doesn't smell of tuna, even though it's been empty for a while. Yeah. I, I, I really think it's one of those varieties that if, if you like whites, yep. especially if you like pinots, it's not it's not close enough to a Riesling, which is surprising because yeah. I think Riesling is an older grape, older sure. grape variety. Like it's close enough to Rieslings that like if you like Rieslings, it's definitely worth a shot. I mean, at 16 bucks, like really, I don't think you're doing yeah. yourself a disservice. Now, well, if, you yeah, get it, a, if you could get yeah. a more expensive varietal, sure, maybe make that your, your introduction. To try yeah. to get some more teased out of it, because it seems like this just wasn't price wise like the strongest version of it possible. Right. Well, you didn't like it because it had a cat on it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the yeah. giant church. I'm an atheist. Well, I mean, I, the, honestly, the, the Horton, all of them have the cat on. Oh, well, to be honest, like I like toward the end, like I really thought it was a, a really strong, like not a, it's not a strong flavor. No, but like I thought it was a very strong in in good wine. Like I, yeah. I definitely would try that again. And sure, but the yeah. problem I have is like we we run into a lot with these is especially these off varieties is there's one right yeah and then that it, that is definitely the case with this. Uh, I I did talk to one of the chicks at the uh, wine place total wine. At total wine, and she said they do have other ones. They just don't get them in very often. Yeah, and uh, that's that's this hard. was in the Virginia locals. Oh. Nice. Uh, so I had to get help finding it. Gotcha. Um, but I know where the locals are there. Yeah. So this was in there. She did say that they get some of the New York um, of this varietal. This this lady was very knowledgeable. It's that fat lady that uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. had a real big one. She you know she's very helpful. Um, and she also she's the one who recommended that uh, the uh, Cabernet Franc that we had that I thought was very good. Uh, we both thought it was yeah, really we, good. We both thought it was good. Yeah. And. Um, so she was there and she said, oh, yeah, yeah. She knows a lot. So I, I think she probably had like everything in there. But she was, she said, oh, yeah, this is, and she did. She said, it was, oh, it's pretty good if you like, uh, if you like Pinot Grige. So she it's very yeah. similar to that, but it's like, it, it is different. Um, but so go ahead and check us out. I, we'll have, pro- probably have a little bit of a review on this on tastinganarchy.com. Yeah. Um, Tasting we'll, Anarchy on Twitter. Get, you can yeah. see it at Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Um, I think that's really our only places at the moment. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, if you have any questions or anything, you can you can always email us at tastinganarchy.com, tastinganarchy at gmail at, at gmail.com. Uh, so and that's about it. So Jacob Lindsay, Mario Lindsay, and I'm Mason. Have a good one, everybody. Good night. Drink at me. Oh, give me some of that slaw. Oh, pass that bottle to me. If you want to get along in Peterstown, buy some wine and pass it around. Age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine for the Yodi, drink wine. Wine for the Yodi, drink wine. Wine for the Yodi, drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Port and sherry. Wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilsey at Willis Den, he wasn't sailing for the American gin. 
One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. I drank a wine for the other day. Wine, wine for the other day. Wine, wine for the other day. Wine, pass that bottle to me. Now I got a nickel. Have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Somebody's fifth and somebody's fourth. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine for the other day. Wine, wine for the other day.